0: Welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss androgyny, prints, and plastic surgery. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Backblaze Personal and Business Backup for Macs and PCs. Backblaze gives you online access to all of your files from anywhere you have an internet connection. You can even access your smaller files on the go with their iPhone and Android apps. Backblaze Personal Backup has no add-ons, gimmicks, or additional charges. Just five bucks a month, per computer for unlimited unthrottled online backup. Listeners of tomorrow can get a two-week free trial by going to backblaze.com slash tomorrow. That's backblaze.com slash tomorrow to start your two-week free trial. Uh, my guest today is a writer, a music critic, a musician, uh, and uh, as so far as I can tell, generally very lovely. Uh, joining me today is Sasha Frere Jones. Sasha, thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, and also, I, I mentioned this. I just mentioned this, but but we were talking before we started. You have a storied history, and then we have some connection, some connections in your past.
1: You were a, what were you a bassist? Bass, uh, guitar. In Ui I played both uh, bass and guitar okay. and then a bunch of stuff very badly, which we then made sound appropriate in the studio. Right. But mostly, on, you know, on stage, I mostly was playing the bass.
0: But but in a former life and potentially a future life now, because you just told me that you were, you're, you're playing music again. You were, yep. you played in bands, you toured, um, you drank heavily, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I mean, that's my, you know. what At the I, What I know is that uh, certainly, I mean, when were you playing? Like, when were you really out there? Like, what
1: years? Uh, We were operational for real from 1990 to about 2003. And then we played a final sort of reunion goodbye tour moment uh, single show at Primavera in 2010. Okay. Uh, um there was 18. drinking, there was drinking, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, were, we were pretty mild as a band. I think the other two guys, um, got stoned a lot, but that was not my thing. Right. Uh, uh the band, the band was Ui. 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 Ui though. Right. Ter- terrible name. Very which, bad. Very bad. I love, I love the name. No, I love the name. <laughs> it's a, it's a proper, uh, it's a proper name. Like it's capital U lowercase I, Nobody ever rendered it that way. Everyone said "ui" instead of saying we. Yeah. Um, what is it? Is there meaning? Sorry. Is that a word? It has, it has sort of a, uh, this refers to somebody we were talking about. Um, it goes, it goes in orders of um, trivialness to like super seriousness, but it began, um, I was in a band called Dolores first in college when I was a little kid. Um, and that was the first band I had that had two bass players in it. Uwe had two bass players as well. So this is like 86. Um, and the drummer, uh, Dave Reed and I, um, were very fond of David Lee Roth's Spanish language version of Yankee Rose. <laughs> and in the beginning of it, he's like saying something to a woman and speaking Spanish and saying like, dame un beso and like cat calling her kind of it's kind of gross right and then he says for for no reason he does this kind of harpo routine with eddie van halen or whoever the guitar player Steve vi i guess right uh
0: yeah uh, i was Sa- gonna say Satziani or one of those guys <laughs> yeah. I,
1: don't, I don't know who his replacement halen guy was but he go, <laughs> yeah. he said he just goes we <laughs> like does something with a whammy bar and oh just, i see they're, they're a little they're a little back and forth a little ping yeah, pong there exactly um volley and so dave and i would often the way that annoying young men in a band will have you know those stupid things you do in a band that are really childish like we would just say we all the time uh-huh. and so when dolores broke up and i was forming ooey and it had one member of dolores and it alex Wright was the other bass player he left after a year or two to, uh, to go to school dave was like oh you got to call the band Oo-wee. and i was like well what is that and then I thought, well, there was a play that I loved called The uh, the, Resistible, sorry, the Resistible Rise of uh, Arturo Ui. It's basically about Hitler. It's a Brecht play. Hmm. And then one of my favorite bands, Liquid Liquid, in the middle of Liquid Liquid is the, are the letters U-I twice. Yes. And I was like, Ui, okay, we'll call it that. And I thought it was very elegant. I like the way you rationalized it. You had all these points of... It, these were these are all real, real reasons because, I mean, it started with this dumb sound and then I was like, well how would I spell that? And I and I wrote Oh, it down. you hadn't considered this was that you had to consider how you spell it. I see. Yeah. And then I wrote it down and I was like, that's such a short, weird looking word, but I kind of like that. And uh no. now I had no idea that A, nobody would ever pronounce it correctly. Um although John Peel did, which was like the high point of my entire that's, life. That's huge. Uh yeah it was very huge. Um and he played almost we not only did a session for him, he played basically every track on every record we ever made. So the fact that I've never made any money from music is offset by the fact that Peel played us, which is like kind of worth it. Yeah. I mean, it really is basically worth it. If, if I made a record that John Peel liked, like I'm good.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a fairly cool claim to fame. And I think in music, actually uh, most musicians don't get rich. Most musicians aren't, you know, don't retire on their music money. Um, the I do. I remember, like when I produced and when I made stuff, I definitely had. I look back and I go, yeah, but you know what? Uh, it was pretty cool. Like I had a song that was in the top forty in the UK for one week. It was number twenty nine. Whoa! And and uh, people have actually heard records that you've worked. People on. have heard records, but those people were high, oh. high on on ecstasy and cocaine. So do they? What their remembrance of it is is anybody's guess. You know, in the, this is like song. in like two thousand. What's that? What song was it? The song is called "Pistol Whip" uh, I, under the name artist named Joshua Ryan. It is a nine minute trance epic. Uh,
1: I'm going to shock you here. I don't know that.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Uh, but at any rate, I look back and I'm like, yeah. You know. By the way, I did make a little bit of money off that record, like you know. But mostly, it's like just cool to be able to say, hey this happened, you know, and like P Tong, not that P Tong is John Peel by any measure. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's like, oh yeah, fucked up. Petong Tong was playing it. So that's cool. Um, at any rate, cool but back to you. So, uh, so besides your, your, your storied and rich, the rich uh, career you had in, in music, uh, I think most people probably at this point know you as a music critic and, and a journalist. You, uh, wrote for the New yeah. Yorker, you were a staffer at the New Yorker. Uh, you did a stint at Genius, which, Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe we will or won't talk about and uh and then in you're at the LA Times now correct? Uh, and uh and I mean I that's that's my entrance to your world um the right. music the music stuff is I've been as I've just done a little research and had this conversation is sort mm-hmm. of I've,
1: you've opened my eyes um, and uh, my our label is so punk rock that we're not on Spotify so which I'm the, not what's the sh-
0: label what label
1: uh southern oh okay a very interesting uh, label and with an amazing history, but um it's the one moment, and I love them. The one moment I've been upset with them is is their um, rejection of Spotify because as you just pointed out, we didn't make any money selling records, so the fact that we wouldn't make any money on Spotify doesn't bother me. I would rather right. have people hear our music
0: right why um, not right. put why not just put a time? Like a gate around it, and say, "Oh, new stuff. We're not going to release for a year or whatever." And then old stuff. We're going to put on there because it's not. I mean, how much are they selling a bunch of your old records? No, nobody buys their records. Right, right. I would. Well, can you describe? And now that we've talked about it, we haven't even gotten into what I what the things I thought we were going to talk about yet. But now that we've talked about it, I'm curious. Uh, how would you describe your sound? I've never heard. I've never heard the band. So okay,
1: give me a, um, give me a taste of if you had to tell somebody. Basically, uh, two bass. I was do a bad job of this, even after, um, 25 years. Um, it was two bass players and a drummer. I mean, we basically played. So was, you just played uh, big bottom is all you played. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Nobody's made that joke in a long time. Really? Um, well, here I am. I'm here at your service. Thank you. Um, you know, it's actually really simple music, but every time I describe it, it gets more egg heady sounding, but it's basically funk without any singing and some weird instrumentation, but all the songs are fairly uh, repetitive pattern based and like pretty catchy. I mean, it's not very challenging music. Is it, it just, cra- is it crowdy? Uh, cr- oh, like crowd rock? Yeah. Um, One or two songs, but Clem, the amazing, amazing drummer in the band, Clem Waldman, who is in the Blue Man Group Band and uh, uh, Loser's Lounge, um, which is actually relevant to what we were going to talk about because they're doing a Bowie tribute right now. Um. Clem is just a genius, genius drummer. Um, we just basically played these funky patterns. I um, mean, it was a lot of just putting together like lines against each other, and I, you know, I'm really, really proud of the records we made. Um, no singing. Uh, I unfortunately sang on two songs, but oh, then boy. I, I, well, yeah. You were like then you listen to the record. I listen. I
0: mean, it's it's very it's impossible to hear your own voice, don't you think? I mean, if you're not, some people are born to sing. I'm, I'm not that person i've today. done some singing you listen to it and you're like no matter how good or bad it is really there's it's hard to hear yourself in any other any way other than
1: hypercritical right yeah i um i mean i was smart enough to only do it on i think two tracks yeah what what uh, uh, mostly, how many records did you put out either five or six i don't really full length remember. full length album uh full lengths i guess one two okay. what, what where could i find what 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 are the tracks i
0: want to go after this i want to listen maybe we'll intersperse some of your singing uh in the edit no, no don't don't,
1: don't, don't <laughs> i'll find you. them I,
0: don't worry i'll find them you I know mean, we
1: don't have to we don't have to belabor the point um okay so the, so, album, the album that everyone out there should buy though is called lifelike that that's the one that i will that's the money back guarantee record i like them all but that one there's your there's your 1997 boom is that how but, much
0: it is really 1997 that's of oh, the year. Year. That's the. I was the year gonna say twenty dollars. No wonder nobody's buying these things. The, they used to charge like fifteen or twenty dollars for an album, though. That's the amazing uh, the, thing.
1: The great CD scam. I, there was an amazing quote I never got to use from uh, Leor Cohen, who uh, I I interviewed him for a piece that didn't uh, that didn't come together. But uh, I was at his very very uh, fancy house um, on Park Avenue, I guess, or Fifth Avenue. I don't know. One one of those places like you never go, but you know. He had this uh, beautiful townhouse, still does, and he has this amazing voice that I'm not going to try to imitate because I also don't want him to kill me. But he he has that feeling like he might, you know. But he's very friendly. I'm but sure he's, he's had people killed, no question. You get the feeling like. <sighs> You know, he's Leor Cohen, you know, and he's like 95 feet tall. Um,
0: right. Is he very tall?
1: I didn't know that, actually. He's really, he's really tall. Um, oh, and, you know, he has a, a great take on the people have written entire books about, you know, what happened with CDs and the whole industry. But he was like, he said it all in one sentence. He said, CDs made dumb people think they were smart. You see this house? This house? It's stupid money. It's CD money. And I was like, oh, okay. I wish we had sold some of them. Um, You wish you had CD money. I think we all do. Yeah. I only ever made money. Interesting. uh, What was his
0: reasoning? Sorry, what was his reasoning? Is it that it just was cool to have a bunch of CDs? Or just the technology seemed cool or what?
1: The very simple fact of uh, the insane price markup. Oh, that's it? It, So it was just like... like, The biggest scam ever pulled off by anybody. Which also, you know, gives the lie to the rational actor, you know theory of economics, which is, there was a thing that was a perfectly good technology that sounded great, uh, it was affordable, and then mostly because of Philips, but also all the labels got together, and they're like, hey, here's a new machine you have to buy. Um, It doesn't sound very good, and the thing that used to be seven bucks is now going to be 20 bucks. And everyone said, great, can we buy more of these things than we were buying before? And, and so all and the, th- th- the thing the thing that you're talking about is 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 vinyl. Well, first it was vinyl, and then it w- which was which sounded good and was cheap, right? But then we decided we all wanted to hear um, and buy these terrible fucking CDs for twenty dollars. What happened
0: bit. about cassettes? They don't fit into the picture at all.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember how much of the, the market share they ever took up. I mean, I guess at a moment in the eighties they were probably kind of
0: big. But well, yeah, I think what happened. I mean, I think the Walkman was a big. Was a big deal, right? I mean, the problem with vinyl is you can't right. you can't take it in the car, you can't take it on a walk, and we started to get this. idea with the Walkman, the advent of the Walkman, I think we started to go like, yeah, why can't I be listening to music all the time? I mean, you can actually go back and start blaming. I feel like you can start with blaming Sony for the Walkman, and then you can continue blaming Philips for. Do they is Philips the cut the who invented well, this the CD? They
1: they invented that little uh, the technology. The thing that, yeah, the technology that reads right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, someone out there can fact check. I'm sure that's right. That sounds right to me. It's,
0: it's either Philips or Sony. It's one of the two. I think Philips sounds right to me.
1: I think they developed that, uh, the little laser, the eye that reads the CD. Yeah. I think that's them for a long time. I think they own that patent. Maybe they don't anymore. But CDs
0: also, but I mean, I, and I, here I am, I think I'm about to defend CDs, <laughs> okay, I think the markup obviously is crazy, but CDs were inevitable, probably inevitable, uh, and certainly. Uh, I mean, it could be argued, but CDs—you know—cassettes versus CDs easier to deal with, easier to store. They probably actually sound better, uh, and it just makes more sense. It also gave way to, right? I mean, CD-ROMs and you know, massive storage for computers. So right. I mean, those two are kind of hand in hand. I mean, it's like high information in a small package. Uh, of course, the markups cr- was crazy. But like everything in the 80s and 90s, ni- I feel like 80s and 90s is really what we're talking about as a sweet spot where, but I think the same thing is true of like magazines. You know, you hear people talk about Time Magazine in the 80s and 90s. And it's like, the sh- like champagne was flowing every day and they have yeah. crazy expense accounts. And, you know, there were 4 million subscribers to Time Magazine, like at its peak which is nothing. When you think about like the way, you know, BuzzFeed has 200 million monthly uniques or something. And you're like, the scale is all fucked up. Like, what does this mean? How could they be, you know, going out for like three martini lunches every day at Time Magazine? It's just a different world, right? But there a were a different- lot of people getting dumb money then.
1: Yeah. I mean, apparently the LA Times, I can't confirm this, um, when they were in their high money phase, and I think in the 90s, I've heard, this is all hearsay, but I think it's true. There was a room apparently that had multiple Picassos hanging in it. <laughs> like apparently the money was just insane at a certain point. Oh, uh,
0: um, yeah. Think about, no wonder all these old people are so pissed off about, uh, the, you know, I mean, I, I'm pissed off and I'm not that old, but I mean, there's reasons to be pissed off. But think about how it feels if you were time in the heyday, you're a journalist at time or an editor at time or whoever, one of the biz people or the LA times and you have a room full of fucking Picasso's and now, you know, you're like, Hey, is there a banner ad? Can we get some banner ads on this page? Or I don't, yeah. know, I don't
1: know what kind of conversations they're having, but they're definitely talking about banner ads. I think it helped becoming a journalist, being a musician first, because the idea of making money from anything is kind of weird to me. So Yes.
0: I had the same, I had the same reaction when I started writing. It was like, it was seemed so crazy to me that I was getting paid on a regular basis you know, cause we had a studio, my brother and I had a studio in Brooklyn and we were working with bands and, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, we're going to, when our label gets us some money, we'll give you some money. We were like constantly chasing people down and you know, we weren't businessmen. We were just like guys who wanted to make music. So it was like this kind of thing where we were always trying to find, we had a band too that and it didn't make any money. And, you mm-hmm. know, you're just, you think like no
1: one's ever going to pay you for anything basically. No. I mean, I had, a, there are two moments where I should have, well, I guess I did pay attention and, and also I didn't I always had a day job and I didn't expect to make money through music. So, I mean, I was like a, I sort of an office drone and then I did copywriting and, um, and then, and then the music writing thing was this kind of beautiful accident. But in the middle of all that I got, um, I made a solo guitar record, which I swear to God, the thing itself probably sold maybe 500 copies at most. Um, it was on a Belgian label. Um, it was some very sad guitar music I wrote, um, after my dad died and, uh, uh a cable company out here in California licensed it for uh, a commercial <laughs> and I didn't really even understand what was happening. And then they sent me the biggest check I had ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, I didn't do anything. And then we went, then we went on a six week tour of America with, with a stereo lab who we made a record with. Um, and I thought boy this is going to be like the bees knees and it was grueling and like there's that drive from fucking Lawrence to you know to Denver that's like 15 hours <laughs> so you, you have to drive after the gig is over and you don't sleep and anyway right i came home and i remember walking into the do- i remember really clearly i walked into the house um back on broadway um i was still married at that point and and so Deborah was like, how much did you guys make? And I, so I just pulled the cash out of my pocket because the whole thing goes down, <laughs> goes down in cash. Right. And I, I counted and I said, um, so yeah, we made um, $1,000 in six weeks. Oh, God. And she looked at me and she said, that doesn't sound right. And I'm like, yeah, it yeah. doesn't sound right.
0: Well, it's because how many people were on tour? Like eight. How many people did you have?
1: Oh, there was just the three of us. We had oh, it was no, just
0: three. Okay, that's not bad. Well, that's really bad then. That's we had.
1: Um, that's bad, Bonnie. You know, why is somebody knocking? Hold on, somebody's I don't know. not? I was excited. Hold on. Yeah. Great, thank you. I'm gonna, leave, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this one in. I think. It's like a very. Uh, appropriate interruption because I had a very
0: dark thought when you went up to get the door can, oh. I, t- can I share can I share it with you
1: I'm a little scared but okay yeah I yeah. was like what
0: if there's a murderer at the door and this person <laughs> this person shoots Sasha right here while we're recording and then I went into this whole thing about how I'd have to solve them I'd have to solve the mystery and like find your killer because uh, I'd feel like this responsibility. Anyhow, it was a very brief oh, it was brief and dark, but I think it just says something about my personality. My first thought wasn't like, oh, he's getting a nice package or something. I'm like, he's going to
1: be killed by whoever, the, whoever is at the door. I think thematically, um, well, I appreciate you um, volunteering to solve. Yeah, why would they? Yeah, clearly. That's nice of you. Um, it's very appropriate. I just got a bunch of uh, vinyl. Oh, really? Anything good? What do you have there? Uh, in fact, something very good. This is... This is all weirdly coming together as if I had planned it. Um, <laughs> because you can go on the internet right now. Uh, people do remember that we existed. Oh, boy. And um, this is African Head Charge. Oh. A band that was on On You Sound. Yeah. And they very kindly included us in a uh, a playlist yesterday.
0: Oh, I haven't heard African Head Charge. The, um, were those words put together in
1: like 20 years. Um, Did they put us on the... No, they didn't put us on the speaker. These are amazing, amazing records. They really, really are. Whose records? They're their records. Uh, African Charge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The four original ones they put out have been reissued. Um, uh, but they were kind enough to uh, include us in this, like, you know, the kind of like a, a Spotify, like, here are the people that influenced them and were influenced by them. But, of course, because our band is not on Spotify. <laughs> right, right. Like, there are two tracks that don't play. The David Byrne track, Um the Brian Eno track doesn't play because he pulled everything. Did he? Uh, Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, He's that would a... explain why I never hear any Brian Eno on. Uh... No, no, David Byrne. Oh, David Byrne
0: pulled it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not David, Eno. Is Eno stuff on there? That's a good question. I don't know. I feel uh, like he uh, could uh, get, he might convince Byrne, might convince Eno to pull. I feel like I would hear more because I should, but anyhow, okay. Anyhow, I don't know. I, I can open up and find out. No, nah, it's not important. I mean, it's still only slightly important. I can look. And then uh we're not on there. And uh <laughs> that I mean, sucks. That's also but, the worst, by the way, when somebody has a playlist and you're like, Oh yeah, it's missing these things because they just haven't done a deal with with the inevitable.
1: Yeah, no, the, the label uh it's got um uh, it seems to have some Eno. Okay. It seems, it seems to have some really bad Eno records. Um does it have the good ones? Yeah, I don't know. What do you consider?
0: What do you consider the good ones? I'm curious. Well, you know the ones from the
1: 70s, um, <sighs> taking Tiger Mountain and uh, yeah, kind of the I mean, one the fir- and the first, everything up through the you know the. I love all four of the ambient records. Yeah, uh, I can't listen to the first one because it makes me cry. But then yeah. it, like, everything makes me cry. Yeah, that's a problem, Maria. I will tell you that that. Um, like just constantly I'm
0: just like you're just crying th- you're just crying Listen. I find that I get very uh teary-eyed on planes no matter what's going on it could be music it could be a film it could be like a rom-com that I'm watching something about the altitude definitely fucks with me I think I'm also usually on a plane in like the middle I think I've talked about this before on the podcast I'm on the plane like at, late at night and everybody's sleeping and I don't sleep on planes that well and so I'm up watching a mm-hmm. movie and it's like one of those weird things where it's you know, it's like in the Langoliers where everybody's sleeping, and that's how they end up in the. I, mean, I don't want to spoil the Langoliers for anybody. It's a Stephen King book. It was also made into a movie for TV with starring Bronson Pinchot of all people, uh, f- who his, played who played him? who played the guy with the accent on. Um, uh, uh, what the fuck was the name of that show? It's Cousins, Crazy that Cousins. Great. perfect strangers perfect strangers is the name of the show <laughs> perfect strangers it's like the guy's cousin from some weird country shows up it was a very right. popular show in the 80s that I haven't thought about in a very long time oh my god at any I rate have, uh Bronson Pinchot is been... in the Langoliers he plays like a guy who's unstable is, um isn't he also in like 48,
1: 48 hours or one of the big Eddie Murphy
0: movies yeah he plays like a cokehead or a drug dealer or something yeah he pr- which is probably pretty close to what was going on with him at that period in his life
1: is he alive?
0: I don't know. I don't know, and I'm not going to look. There's going to be several things I'm not going to look up. What's if Eno's? Oh, you said Eno is available on Spotify.
1: Yeah, he's here. It's all here.
0: <laughs> Thank God. Um, okay, so getting back to back, on what the fuck? What were we talking about before the when the door have, when there's a knock at the door? I have no idea. Before your attempted murder. Uh, well, we were talking about music. Let's fast forward. Let's let's move into. Uh, well, we're going to talk about music more, but um, you have spent a long time writing and thinking uh, about music not yes. just not just playing it uh and as i said before i think a lot of people know you through that uh there's obviously been you know in the last few months this month sorry not even last few months this month has been kind of a uh dark month for music david bowie died i'm gonna also say glenn fry died we could talk about that because mm-hmm. I could love, I don't know if you've written about it or talked about it at all. But I feel like there's a strange thing where I saw somebody wrote, they wrote, you know, why are we mourning David Bowie, mocking Glenn Fry? And I was like, are people mocking Glenn Fry? Because that seems fucked up, you know? Like,
1: yeah. Um, the thing about Glenn Fry that's interesting is, I mean, I don't, you can't celebrate or mock anybody's death. Like, that's not cool. But, you know, you kind of reap what you sow. The Eagles won. They won the money game. they They've sold so many records and made so much money from music, like everything we were talking about before about not making money. okay, they made the money, but they really lost the love game. And uh, I mean, they're pretty famously, Fry and Henley are like well-known to be incredibly unpleasant people. Right. Like the way that Art Garfunkel, I mean, I I hope I don't get sued for saying this stuff, but I don't think you would like, you know, nobody will ever hear it. (laughs) It's, it's true. Uh, and you know, like, was it Henley or Fry saying stuff about, you know, I think it's Henley who keeps saying stuff about like Kanye, like, these guys like Crosby and, and they're also mad at Kanye. Everyone's always so mad at Kanye, but like right, they right. say this douchey stuff in public. I think that's um, jealousy is what you're hearing through mad at Kanye. Yeah, probably. And they're like lawsuits. It seems like, so they, you know, people like Joe Walsh, he's apparently a nice guy, but yeah. so they make this music that a lot of us didn't understand or didn't like. I, I didn't even really give it shit about it, but so he dies and it's like, you you can't, yeah. it's not cool to mock that it's not cool to in some way celebrate it or, or turn it into like a, a punchline for a tweet or something. But it's also like, well, what do you expect? Like you guys, you went for the money, you made the kind of lifestyle, like Margaritaville music. Um, uh, what do you want? Like you can't, you can't get everything. You got all the money. They have all the money in the world. Like, right. They, they were selling right- – They don't also get to have the respect is what you're saying. <laughs> like, yeah, and then and, – and you, you get
0: the money – well, you can get the money and the respect, but it's very difficult. I mean, Bowie was not a poor dude.
1: No. It's a totally but, different situation though. But, you know, yeah, bad – I mean, really bad time for Glenn Frey to die because you have this just like wave. It almost feels like 9-11 when everyone in New York all of a sudden was nice to each other, um, which was a really – and I, I don't mean that it was a very, very – specific thing to me i live very we lived very close to the world trade center and i watched it with my son uh you know intense for everybody um but people were really lovely to each other it was it was kind of amazing um and then it stopped because it's new york you know. <laughs> right. people are like what are we doing and we went back to being like hey, get out of the way you know like fuck you but yeah, you know yeah as the as bowie thing be. the bowie thing is so overwhelming because Well, I mean, because the wrong word. I mean, I feel like it's making people nicer to each other, which is sort of uh, uh, probably uh, I'm overstating the case, but there is so much love for this guy. And the more you look into him, the more you love him. And like when Lou Reed died, Lou Lou was a huge thing for me. Like Lou was like my guy. He, He taught me the only person I've ever transcribed, you know, all their lyrics is Lou Reed. Favorite record? Uh I, I mean of Lou Reeds. Oh me? I, yeah. I, I like one? I mean, I, probably a Velvet's record, probably the third one. Really street hassle for me, frankly. Uh, it's, it's it's a good one. I mean it's a great record. <laughs> I, I kind of love all of them. I even love the weird bad ones. Yeah. Um uh <laughs> well, metal machine music? I, it I I love that, but I mean that it, it doesn't I mean next to some record. of the other stuff I listen to now, like it doesn't sound Lulu? Uh, uh, come on, man. All okay. right. Anyhow, getting back to Look, Lulu. That, I have an interesting story about Lulu. I went to the, um, there was a party. Actually, I have a funny couple of funny Lulu stories. I won't tell all of them. Um, i maybe not, won't tell any of them, but anyway, the Lulu premiere was really cute because it was at a gallery and I think Schnabel was there and they started to play the, the record which I think is beautifully engineered, as weird as it is. Um, I think it sounds amazing. And they were playing it, and they start playing it, and Lou, you know, is really, he was intense about audio, super intense about audio and audio quality. And they're playing it really fucking loud for about 30 seconds, and then Julian, Julian Schnabel runs into the back room and then they turn it way down and everyone just starts drinking wine. And it's like every other thing that's ever happened in New York. But the cute part was Metallica and Lou Reed were there together, like all like hugging and smiling. And it's sort of like seeing Darth Vader at the beach or something. It's right. like, <laughs> y'all seem like the crabbiest people in the world. But that's they such were, a great way they to were frame so, it. They were so happy about their record that I was like, oh, I kind of like this record now because you guys had such a good time. And Right. Right. I mean, I'm never, never going to play this record, but God bless you for. <laughs> good
0: being, on you for doing
1: it. It's being, like. Being, and being, being happy so, about it. Being this famous, but also like you went out and did something really weird. And like right. you're not afraid of being disliked. So good for you guys. Right. Well, that's one that's way that's to look at it. It's something that's, I value in people is like we are not afraid of being disliked for this thing. I mean, a not mag, doing,
0: it's a magnanimous way to look at it. It's like,
1: you know. I think that's. I don't know. I think that I mean I think sometimes there's not a there's not a subtext. I think they actually enjoyed doing this weird thing together and it just <laughs> happens to sound really strange to the rest of us. Oh, but- I
0: think that's definitely true. I I actually think the worst sounding music is probably the most fun to play and most fun to make. I mean, I've actually I think all the time when I hear something I don't like. And by the way, look, I'm it's all a matter of taste right i mean ultimately there's no empirical data that suggests that lulu is a worse record than any other record that exists but um i think it's
1: better than a lot of- <laughs> right it definitely is i mean i'm just saying it's like it is down to what is your preference but i mean until until lou starts doing his thing the the guitars sound amazing
0: but i just think that i just think i hear music bad music and i'm like but it must be so fun so much fun to play this and do this because it it just, it sounds like the people who are, usually sounds like the people are really into it, even if, I don't know, you know, it's, it, look, there's music that's more fun to play than it is to hear, I think, and a lot of times, like Probably that, like that, what was that
1: band, uh Carolina Rainbow, you remember them? No, not at all. Can you des- weird, describe them to me? Weird, oh, I'm getting, uh, their name is even longer than that. It's like Carolina Banana Rainbow Scramble and they would like hand design every, copy of their record came with like pieces of paper and paint and stuff. And they were just a a crazy, uh, like psychedelic weirdo San Francisco band. It was around the same time of, uh, an incredible, an amazing, amazing band, uh, thinking fellers, um, union local 282 is the full name, but you know, thinking fellers who I saw a bunch in their early nineties and were absolutely stunning. They often played all in dresses. Some Mm -hmm. of them, Women, some were men, but they would all wear wear dresses. Forward thinking. Um, they were so so good live, but Carolina Rainbows in their orbit. And you know, you know the band that's like friends with the the great band, but they're no good. Mm-hmm. So I would buy these records at other music or wherever and Kim's, and I'd be like, "Man, it's gonna be sick. It's gonna be intense." And they were just terrible. They're just terrible. Do,
0: do you but, you would buy the you would buy the records would I mean, you would buy them having not heard them. It's interesting. Well, some, I,
1: I only did it a couple of times because then I was like, okay, I love you guys for existing, right. but you're not the thinking fellers. And like, this is just bad music, but it sounded right. like they were probably having a great time. Like sweet- I
0: used to, I mean, it's funny. Just-
1: going like. <laughs> 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 Sorry. That that's sounds, not
0: no, idea. that sounds pretty good to me. Actually, that sounds like- that might be better than what yeah. <laughs> I remember. What is the, who, what is the email newsletter that used to come out? Was it Amoeba or somebody would send, it wasn't Amoeba, it was somebody else. It's- Aquarius. Aquarius. Aquarius used to send this newsletter this matt was it once a week or once uh, Uh, i think so once a week and it would be like new releases then it'd be some weird shit and reissues and i bought so many records based on the descriptions of the records oh yeah and i was like yeah this sounds amazing but to think about now like in our world that we live in the idea that like sight unseen or on sound unheard you would say i give me i'm going to pay 14 or 15 dollars for that um I bought this record, David Pritchard, Nocturnal Earthworm Stew. Do you know the record? It's a crazy... <laughs> no. It's a crazy, like, experimental thing. I think he was a Canadian dude. Did you, it was,
1: just, did you just make up a string of words?
0: No, that's an actual record. Look it up. David Pritchard, Nocturnal Earthworm Stew. And, and by the way, if I made that up, then, you know, I've had a whole chunk of my existence has been has been messed with. Um it's a cool record. It's really weird, but I bought it on the suggestion, the the uh, Aquarius uh, write up. But just to think about it, that would never happen. That doesn't happen now. Nobody does that unless you're a huge fan. You're like, oh yeah, I love this band. I'm gonna buy whatever they do. Or oh, I like this person. I like every project they're involved in. I mean, if you're a real hardcore music fan, you probably still do it. But people just don't think like that anymore. Like you would never I do that.
1: No, I don't. I mean, I went and got some vinyl this weekend, but. I got reissues by this heat. Oh yeah. Um music I love. A guy we actually encountered um in our life as we we almost did a thing with Charles Hayward. Um and I don't know why we didn't. Um he came to a gig of ours in London and he had his backpack he wore it on the front of him. And oh just, yeah, one of the most adorable things. It's advanced. Seen. That's advanced. Well, no, I look terrible, but I was like, I love that you don't mind going out in public like that. That's cool. I mean, I was actually going to ask you when you were talking about
0: playing and you, you know, I remember mm-hmm. my brother who's in, you know, in a band called Tan Lines. Now he was in a band called Storm and Stress and Don Cavallaro. Um right. And uh, shout out to your brother. Yes. Yeah, shout out to my brother, Eric. But I remember him talking about the percentage of like people who showed up in backpacks to their shows, like, um, in the early two thousands. And it was like kind of a thing. Like people would come in backpacks, like guys, there'd be guys with backpacks. That was like a thing. Um, isn't that where backpack, isn't that where backpack rap came from? Backpack rappers was kind of like born out of that culture of like dudes with backpacks
1: at shows. Uh, I could be wrong, but, uh, I, I have to admit, although like, and I was writing uh, at that point primarily about rap. Um, the backpack rap thing a little bit confused me because at least in New York, like, I just didn't see that many people wearing backpacks.
0: I think it was a San Francisco thing,
1: largely. And like, I understood which rap it was. I, I, you know, I knew Who's it a backpack rap. rapper? You give me a name that would fall into. I mean, I think like. LP? The, not, uh, uh, L's not really, la- no, no, not exactly. I mean, he. He's in the world, though in that world but like jurassic five um dilated peoples that kind of stuff I yeah think yeah prime like anything on fondulum
0: <laughs> is that okay well and anyhow we can explore that but okay let's do this actually i want to because i do want to get to bowie and i want to have a couple of other things so let's take a quick uh, okay, break right. take okay. a quick break and then we'll be back um and we'll talk about more weird obscure shit I mentioned Backblaze before, it's a personal and business backup for Macs and PCs. It has unlimited online backup for documents, music, photos, videos, and all your user data, no matter how nefarious or uh, strange it is. They won't throttle you and there's no upload threading, which means you can back up quickly. They've backed up over 200 petabytes of data, over 10 billion files have been restored, and they've got iPhone and Android apps to access all of your smaller files on the go. Backblaze backup has no add-ons, gimmicks, or additional charges. It's just five bucks a month per computer for unlimited unthrottled online backup. Again, you can get a two-week free trial. Just go to backblaze.com tomorrow and check it out. I want to quickly talk about Wealthfront. Now, look, you know you should be investing your money for the long term. You've probably thought, well, how should I do that? You know, you probably Googled it. Uh, maybe you binged it. You know, maybe you did a duck, you duck-duck-goed it. Is that how you say it? I'm not sure how you say it. The point is, I'm sure you've investigated the, the way to do it, uh, but trying to do it yourself Especially the right academically proven way is complex and time-consuming and frankly takes away from all of your other hobbies, um, assuming you have hobbies. Luckily, Wealthfront makes it easy for anyone to get uh, access to world-class long-term investment management. It's an online automated service that invests your money for you. It's transparent and accessible. You can view all of your accounts in one place, whether they're personal, joint, or retirement. You can see every trade Wealthfront makes on your behalf and your dashboard, anywhere you go on your desktop or in your pocket with the mobile app. And you can sign up for an account at Wealthfront.com in just minutes, and it goes right to work monitoring your portfolios around the clock and taking action as soon as an opportunity arises, which I think we can both agree you will not do. Uh, With Wealthfront, you pay less than $5 a month to invest a $30,000 account, and you don't have to have much to get started you can open an account with as little as 500 bucks. Tens of thousands of people across the country have already signed up. In fact, Wealthfront manages over $2.6 billion in client assets, and it's grown over 20 times in the past two years. So go to wealthfront.com slash tomorrow to see your free personalized investment portfolio. You'll see the customized allocation they recommend for your profile. And just for tomorrow, listeners, if you sign up to invest, Wealthfront will manage your first 15K entirely free of charge for life. That means in addition to never paying commissions or any hidden fees, you also won't pay any management fees to have that first $15,000 invested. Claim your offer today at Wealthfront.com slash tomorrow. For compliance purposes, I have to tell you that Wealthfront Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member of FINRA, and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risk. And there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. We're back with Sasha Fred Jones uh, talking about music. Uh, uh, Looking at music with a historical view for the most part thus far, um, and and I think we're going to continue that, but I do want to talk about Bowie. I mean, we we sort of started touching on Bowie, and then um, somehow went down a rabbit hole. But uh, you know, I I do want to talk about Bowie because uh, obviously it's a huge. I mean, I actually don't think. First off, Bowie seemed like a person who was never going to die. That's the first thing. Like he's been around for so long, mm-hmm. has made has been so. Um, he's been so good. Had been so good at reinventing himself and reappearing. You know, it just felt like, oh, yeah, Bowie and also Bowie just has this kind of alien presence, you know, both crafted and otherwise that was sort of like, oh, yeah, this guy is just going to be they're going to put him in some kind of chamber and then they'll get him out in the year 3000. And he'll make a record and they'll put him back right. in the chamber or whatever. So it was like shocking on that level. But what what really stood out to me was um, how much. You know, I'm not like a diehard. I love Bowie, don't get me wrong. And I, you know, Laura and I listen to, you know, his records constantly. We play them for Zelda, our daughter Zelda, all the time. But it wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, especially prior to my relationship with Laura, I think Laura's like the bigger fan. Uh, I didn't realize how much Bowie mattered to me on like an emotional level and on kind of like a reality level until he died. You know, it was sort of like much more shocking and upsetting And like hard to understand and believe than I thought it would, would be. And, and I don't really know what to attribute that to, but I mean, do you, I mean, do you feel like that's been a, a common reaction to it? Cause I feel like it was like, I was sucker punched.
1: Um, yeah, I would, um, I'm going to say like the same words you said in a different order. (laughs) Um, but with, with, you know, different, um, characters as well um sure and some of this is in the writing i've already done um so i don't want to like read my own work out loud but um i was completely overwhelmed and i didn't expect it i was out um um i was out somewhere having fun and because i'm in this weird newspaper world i get a a text from my editor like 11 p.m saying uh and I had just filed. It, it was weird because I had just published a piece about the new record. I had just talked to Tony Visconti and Donny McCaslin, who made the record. It's a great record. Um, I had written about the previous one. I had interviewed him on. Like, I, I mean, I thought he was never going to die just because he was such a New Yorker and he, and he was out all the time. And and you know, we knew he had had the blocked artery, but he was only 69 and it seemed like he'd recovered and everything. And right. I get, and I get this text that, that he's died. And I, I was just completely bowled over. And then I had to immediately get on the radio and start writing, which was a bit tough. Right. And then and then what happened that surprised me, um, and, and it was very meaningful because my, uh, my ex-wife, uh, mother of my children, Deborah, um, Who i'm still very close to she was a huge bowie fan like huge that was her guy and she was always reciting all the lyrics to these things and i I like them i mean i love i love the records but she was really inside them she knew them and i started just well i mean it 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 became so overwhelming and i started collecting so many things that i turned my twitter account basically into like a museum just about David Bowie, I was like, I don't want to talk anymore in the world, like (laughs) on on this platform. I don't want to say anything. Right. Like I was trying to figure out how to get rid of it anyway, because Twitter is terrible. And I was like, wait a minute, I can just give it to David Bowie. Like this is a way of doing something because the more I read about him, I mean, every story was like, and then he was charming and he was generous and he was curious and he he came backstage and like he got the – trombone player in the specials I think it was the specials he got like it's a great story the guy was um they were opening I I hope it's the specials um was it the beat it was some kind of ska band anyway I'll edit in the correct I'll just dub (laughs) in of just try to do your voice and dub it in later yeah dub it in really badly (laughs) like there I was in London (laughs) anyway and uh, the, he didn't know who David Bowie was, so, and they were opening for Bowie, and he comes in and he says, like, hey, you know, everything all right? And the, the whole band's like, oh, my God, it's David Bowie. But this guy doesn't <laughs> know. He's, like, older and from, from Jamaica, and he's like, yo, where's the red stripe? We were promised red stripe. And they're like, oh, my God, I don't sense David Bowie. <laughs> he's and, like, and, get us the beer, where beer the beers? And, and, and And Bowie's like, hang on, and he comes back with, like, a big thing of red stripe, and he's like, there you go. Oh, my God. They're all like, you so know, like that, every every story is like that. It's like he's the biggest star in the world, and he's like, hey, do you want to jump on my bus? You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, can yeah. I get the sandwich? You yeah, want to to there's me, this, you know?
0: there's a story that was just uh, just published. I mean, I guess Rolling Stone did a special issue. I haven't seen it yet, but there's a story Trent Reznor did a story uh, about how basically Bowie like helped him get sober. Yeah.
1: That's a good you one. Know?
0: And I'd heard that some, a friend of mine, you know, through the grapevine, somebody said, oh, did you ever hear, you know, like, I know trends thing. And I was like, uh, oh, yeah, no, I, I didn't know if that was a public thing. Maybe it wasn't until this point, but it's just kind of incredible. You just get the impression of a guy who was just really gentle and genuine and nice. And like, it wasn't, I mean, you do hear every time like somebody really famous and important dies, you do get the occasional like, oh yeah, he flipped the table at this dinner. Or he was like, you know. He yelled at somebody or whatever. So it's like it hasn't been a story like that about David Bowie. You, know, you get the no, that, impression that, that those it. stories don't exist.
1: Sort of what I meant about like Lou dying. It's like, look, I I, I will always love that music, but um, you know, um, it, basically all you can find about Lou are terrible stories. Um, and one of the one of the funny things I I posted in this goofy like Twitter thing there that's just about Bowie is there's an interview with, um, who was it? That guy, um, pardon me. Um, Bill Boggs and it's from the eighties. It's around the blue mask (laughs) and David, I'm sorry, Lou Reed actually says, yeah, I don't think that English people should play rock. (laughs) Like he actually says, he says it with a completely straight face. He's not even trying to be funny. Right. Right. You're like, wait a minute, dude, David Bowie made your fucking career. Yeah. He produced transformer. You yeah. You shit. Yeah. Like you guys are friends. Right. And then like later, later when he's not as much of an asshole and he meets Laurie and he becomes a little bit more friendly, although not a lot. Um, you know, there are pictures of him and Bowie and you're like, what a dick. Yeah. Like, you, get em-
0: you get the impression yeah. Lou Reed is, was a guy who um, didn't have a laugh that often. He wasn't like, maybe he was, I don't know. His music is very sarcastic, but it's not very
1: like funny. I I was around him three. Oh, no, he was laughing at the Lulu thing. He looked happy. But the one time I interviewed him, uh, we talked about my recorder because he was way into the audio aspect of it. Um, and he was, I mean, to be honest, he was friendly about that. He wanted to know about this piece of gear I had. And then an assistant said, um, and this I'm sure, you know, this moment, you know, the other, he was like, uh, it's been 30 minutes. Time's up. Sure. And, and Lou just stood up. Without a word, and walked away. And <laughs> like, usually, at that moment, they're like, "Oh, oh, that's okay. Let, we have more to talk." Or like, about.
0: "We'll do. Let's do one more question, and then we'll, we'll yeah, get no, going." Yeah. He was. He was done. Yeah, Bowie. Bowie would have been like, "Listen, forget about the time limit. Let's go get. <laughs> let's go get some lunch." He would have been like, "Oh, do oh, you want to come back to my apartment? And I can make <laughs> you a
1: painting." You yeah, know, I mean, like-
0: do you know the? Do you know the onion? You know, there's an onion article. I'm sure you've read it by now. They did a story a few years ago, where it was like, it's like him talking to Amon about dinner. It's just basically like David Bowie, you know, the <laughs> right It's, like, it's the, the provocative, you know, uh, the provocative British performer, you know, who once was found, you know, whatever, like some weird thing, you know, ask, you know, check the refrigerator, see if there was any leftover pasta sauce. Yeah. It,
1: you know, it's an amazing,
0: like, it's kind of an amazing, but it is like, you see, there's that picture of him, it's a really yeah, famous picking, picture of him walking down the street with a bunch of, of papers and giving the finger to the photographer Yeah. Uh, where he's like wearing a pair of shorts and like a track suit or a track jacket or something.
1: I got that in the feed. Yep. Yeah, that's a great one.
0: But you know, he just seems like a really genuine guy. But I, I, I think that, uh, but his work is also staggering. And this is something that, like, and I, by, by the way, I was laying in bed. I'm sure everybody has these stories. You you told me your 11 o'clock story. And I was just thinking, Oh yeah, it was two in the morning. I was getting in bed. I'd stayed up late doing something stupid, like watching TV or something. And I was getting into bed and I was like about to put my phone down. I just like glanced at Twitter and I saw the thing and I'm like, this is a fucking hoax. Like it just looked like a hoax the way it it popped into the feed. Right. And I had to sit, I sat there, you know, for a few minutes and I was just like, all right, what's like, let me figure out. And I started like poking around and looking and it's like, became very real, very quick. And, um. And I was like, should I wake Laura up? Like, you know, I was just sitting there like, this is crazy. How did this happen? Uh, uh, And I think she did eventually wake up. I can't remember. I can't, but it was like, but, but the thing about it is, um, the first thing I thought of the morning after uh reading all this stuff and seeing all this stuff was like something that was not pointed out maybe has now been pointed out you just made mention of it and something i think is very very unique and special about Bowie is that he was like a behind the scenes guy on a lot of really important records that he was like oh my god a voice or like a hand on a knob or whatever like at at behind like records that other that people love and probably don't many people don't realize like how how deeply involved he was you know i i think a lot of people in the music world do but I think it's interesting like that's a very rare quality Eno is a person who can be like in front and behind and and do amazing things there aren't there's not a huge list of people like that in the, in the music world and his stuff was like really Broad in scope and ambition, both like personally and you know for his work, and also so it was just this thing where I was just thinking about how much his impact was not just about like oh yeah he was this amazing character who you know had this career and the, wrote these amazing songs. It was like he actually was was involved in, in records that like Transformers is a great example, yeah. That's like a really important record, um and you don't immediately go like oh that's Bowie, right? You don't. It's, just, it's somebody else's record.
1: You. I mean a couple of things spring to mind. I mean this one of the simpler ways to say it is that it's rare to have somebody die and you get into the stories and each one is more charming and adorable and inspiring. I mean not to get not to get cheesy about it but I, what started happening to me in the last couple of weeks is I was like shit like I like I want to I want to be like this guy. I want I want to be able to be that gracious and that generous and that curious all the time because every story is about him being that guy there's an adorable interview um i linked to at one point from like 1972 and you know there's this initial incredibly prurient reaction to people like him and alice cooper um not that they were the same but they were being written about at the same time you know with makeup and stuff and you get this sweet guy on TV. He's he's just gotten into, into the Ziggy thing, and he's got a big earring on and the red hair. And you know the interviewer is looking for some kind of you know salacious weirdness from him. Um, the kind of thing you would get from Iggy, Iggy Pop would be like panting and bleeding. And that there's a great Tom Snyder interview. But then he Iggy like totally owns Tom Snyder, who's like condescending and being like, oh my god, who are you? And he's like, well, you know, it's like Apollonian and Dionysian. And Tom Snyder's like what, <laughs> but anyway, that that's <laughs> icky. But back, I mean, Bowie in this interview, he's he's so sweet, he's so friendly, and the guy is like wanting him to be this outrageous Johnny Rotten type, and right, uh, you know, this is before Johnny Rotten, but you know, he's just he's such a, a a sweetheart, and the more you go into these stories, the more you get of that, and then the more you go into the records, the better they become, and what I ended up thinking was a. How can I, how can I be more like Bowie? Yeah. Impossible. Right. Also the most beautiful man ever. I mean, beautiful man, just beautiful in human. Exactly. But I mean, also like physically as people go, like what the fuck? Yeah, no,
0: no. I mean, I, he made a beautiful, like he would make a beautiful woman as well. I mean, he's got like, he had, he has the perfect, like this kind of perfect. I mean, I actually think Bowie's features and his looks are, like, kind of the model for, like, the most – like, the beautiful androgynous – It's true. Sort
1: of, like – that's how we think of, like, androgyny as beautiful is, like, very much, like, Bowie. If we're going to go into the whole singularity thing and we're going to start, like, bioengineering things, let's basically do Bowie. Yeah. Like let's let's all just choose that yeah. because – I mean, cool. really, actually,
0: you know, when you think about it, Justin Bieber, uh, similar situation, beautiful man, beautiful woman, maybe yeah. the perfect, you know, Bieber and Bowie probably, uh, features-wise, probably have a few things in common, now that I think of it.
1: I'm still going to choose, um, he's a very attractive young man. I'm I'm going to still go for Bowie, though. No, I
0: get it. I'm just saying that there's a kind of universal appeal. Look, Weird. there's no comparison in terms right. of... Uh, as an artist or a human, but, uh, zero is fact. There could not be on further ends of the, of the polls, but, um, there are
1: people I dislike more than Justin. I'm, I'm kind of okay with,
0: I've come that. around to Bieber. I'm a, I'm a believer now. That's my new thing is that, uh, yeah. all it took was the right producers to make his music palatable. I
1: think, I don't know. I like baby. I thought baby was
0: good. I don't know. I think all of his, I have to say, I find everything that he's done up until this latest record grading and un, basically unlistenable. Um, which is strange because I like pop music a lot, uh, a lot, but, um, the new record is like a different, whole different story, but it's not, it's not because Justin Bieber is so great. Back to Bowie for a yeah, second. back to Um, Bowie. um
1: <laughs> the thing that I thought was, um, I definitely do not need more coffee. Um, the thing that I thought you know, there was the sort of spiritual aspect, like I want to, you know, here I am in LA and, you know, whatever, recreating myself and that's just some personal nonsense um but i was like damn and it's funny because bowie um ended up hating la that's where he had his very bad cocaine period and he later said that he thought it should be wiped off the face of the earth um (laughs) ah one the one dark moment from bowie yeah yeah it's one of the few negative things he said
0: related to la i think that makes him cooler i think generally speaking that means that he's even cooler than we previously had all right, Well, imagined. I got.
1: I got to. Re- I'm. I'm, a, I'm here now. I have to. Re- you
0: know, re- I, re- I love LA. I mean, that's. I. I. I differ on the opinion of L. A. But
1: I understand how one could have it. Maybe 1975 L. A. Did need to be wiped off the map. Who knows? Probably but, it probably did. But, but then when I started playing, and this is the barroom game that gets ugly, especially with dudes. But like you get into the Dylan Beatles thing. But I started thinking about his career, which is essentially 50 years. Okay. It's a long career and he ends on these two very good records. And in fact, if the next day had been produced a little bit better, I think it would be an amazing piece of work because the songwriting is so good. But like, I think he might be like the guy if we're going to give it to somebody. um, Like forget all these other. Well, no, I mean, if you have to choose one guy, it's a it's a dumb idea. It's a dumb game. I mean, like, don't don't choose one or the other. Choose Bowie. Well, if you had to choose one, oh, if you had to choose one
0: of of all the, I mean, who's in the running? Who's in the
1: running? Well, really, who's in the running? Um, uh, you know, uh, Aretha, Stevie, The Beatles, Dylan, Prince. Da, 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 oh man, thing. you're saying the greatest? Yeah, I mean, like what, the, the greatest p- of, all, of time. all time, Michael. Um, yeah, oh like, man, like if you're gonna play that game, um, and it's a game because it's a dumb game. It's not like, Dylan. Pro- it's not Dylan. I, I'm not saying it's Dylan. I mean, I'm, Prince. I'm saying, Prince. Such a bad person, though. The worst person. I don't
0: know. I don't know. I kind of like Prince. I don't know him. He I seems, do. He seems great. <laughs> he seems great to me. I, no, he's not great. He's not great. Uh, who else? Michael. I mean, Michael, too much. Uh, there's too much. I mean, that's a They're tough not, one. That's a tough not,
1: one. I mean, Michael, you know, Michael amazing
0: but you look at the what really where really you really start right. to see the the breakdown is like the later years of all of these artists you're like yeah but dylan's been making bad records for like i, mean, I don't know maybe you like some
1: of his newer stuff but i don't i'm not that, listening that, to that's not my thing i feel yeah. like
0: it's 20 years at least
1: of 25 years of just like not good music i mean the most blasphemous thing i can say is i just i don't even really care
0: traveling that's... willberries was he in the traveling willberries I don't
1: know. Yeah, I think, I think so. he
0: was. That was great. That was great.
1: Although, <laughs> although for for a Dylan, um, for a Dylan, sort of like uh, I don't know, agnostic, uh, the thing they just released that one, uh, what the hell is? It? I mean, it's all been repackaged so many times. I don't know what they called it. I just think of it because Remnick wrote about it and called it the Hot Hand. But that moment where he's electric and and makes like a hundred albums in you know in the middle of the sixties that whatever that box set they just put out is is kind of like whoa all right even if you don't care that much about Dylan and I don't it's like that's fire and we that's- don't get we don't get to
0: count like the beatles we're not talking about
1: bands here well i mean it, the fun part of this the, the way to make the game not shouty and angry and the way to make it more about like ideas and love I don't know. It's very what. L.A. of you. Very L.A. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I might take that back. But the way to make it more fun is to move the metrics around. I have a friend that I do this with. Like um, go like, okay, uh, best first three records. Um, you know, best run. The best, you know, like streak that anyone went on. And I think, I think that one belongs to Prince. I think there's a period from like 78 – to 88 that i think is the best 10 years anyone's ever had Hmm. um in terms of output i mean he he had so much music that he had to have like seven other bands like you know the family and vanity six and and madhouse is just him (laughs) i mean that he was he was that that good at that period have you (laughs) written
0: on this have you ever written about this
1: um i've written about
0: him no but that particular that's an interesting
1: uh,
0: I don't think so. No, I it know. sounds... Oh, I no I, You don't think it sounds interesting, or you haven't read about no, it? No, I don't think that I have, no. but I. <laughs> it's I, an interesting I, thing to... That would make a very interesting story if told the right way, I feel like. like yeah. Why Why and how did that happen? Um, you have talked to Prince a lot, though, I think.
1: Uh, you can't do a uh, ride-around on that one. Yeah, but dealing with Prince... Well, anyway, I'm... <laughs> you he, really don't like Prince, do you? I loved him until he did something really screwed up to me Wait, um, can you talk about it i'm actually so afraid of his litigious side that i'm not going to talk about it well but god it, in heaven <laughs> now okay, it was, okay it was then, not cool
0: okay you'll have to tell me after we're done recording
1: all you have to do is look on the internet and look for the stories and like there are literally hundreds of stories okay. of him essentially torturing people uh like actually
0: physically torturing people
1: no, mentally. But right. a, a good one. Um <laughs> I don't care at all about Kevin Smith or his movies. No, um,
0: agreed. Same. And but I strongly I strongly don't care.
1: Exactly. We're we're on the same page there. Okay, um, which is a terrible way of just saying we agree. We agree. Yeah, um strongly agree. But he uh has a half hour long story, which is very good, and he tells it very well about making um an entire movie for Prince. And essentially, the punchline is um, one of people, one of the people in Prince's camp is like, "Yeah, this is never going to come out." And and uh, Kevin is like, w- "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Yeah, there are, you know, twenty or thirty videos in the vault. He's just gonna put this in the vault." And he's like, "What like, live videos?" And they're like, "No, no, no, full production costume videos for songs." And then he just doesn't put them out. Wait, he made a movie with Prince. He made like a chunk of a documentary, I think that involved a lot of talking about Christ. Oh boy. Um and he filmed a bunch and with, then with
0: Prince. And then and then Prince's people yeah. were like, Yeah, we're just taking this and you're done and you're not ever releasing it.
1: And you know and and there's a I mean, there's a great story about um I think it's Kim Bassinger during uh Batman, he was trying to flirt with her and because he won't talk to people, this is the thing about him, he gets uh, he gets people to talk to people for him because he won't sure. Um, still a thing that he does. Um, <laughs> that's the that's a dream to me. Three, my... three, three times it 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 happened uh, to me. Um, no,
0: that's a, that To me, that's – you know you've
1: made it when you can have other people speak for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think you'd probably be nicer about it. Initiate you'd. all conversations in anyway, a third party. she was one of the few people who apparently was like – he was like sending notes in a restaurant and he was – and she was like, look, you're going to have to get up and come talk to me if you want to hit on me. Like I know you're Prince but – um, and I think maybe he actually did get up. And so I think more All people right. need to say to him, like, stop print. being an asshole. Yeah, please. She was like, look, I've heard Bad Dance. I'm not impressed.
0: <laughs> I think. Yeah, he had just I think he had just
1: written. Bad it's Dance. a pretty good so
0: record. I, Honestly, it's a pretty good revisit it. Just one of these days. Really look at it deeply. You'd be surprised that, what you find there. I mean,
1: I mean, whatever. Um,
0: There's some innovative sampler sampling work going on in that record. I
1: love that dance. I mean,
0: <laughs> what's the actual record is called. It's not the whole record is called, not called bat dance. Is it? Um, that's the single, that's, that's a single, sing- uh, is it the name Batman? of the record? I could find this. I'm going to, I'm going to find, I'm going to look it up right is it now. It's called
1: Batman. Isn't it just on the Batman soundtrack?
0: It's on the Batman soundtrack as our, um, other great tracks, like 200 balloons. Uh, great. And one. Uh, hold on, Where do I find this? Hold on. I want to read track listing right now the future electric chair great track uh arms of orion with sheena easton you probably don't remember that party man don't remember it of course i remember vicky vicky waiting i like how some of these names are just like what you would call if you were doing a proper soundtrack Uh, Mm -hmm. lemon crush trust
1: oh yeah i should i should get away from my litigious trashing of friends and say you know in terms of the music uh (laughs) I mean, it was kind of heartbreaking to have this weird interaction with him because he he would have been my choice for a long time. Because I, I mean, there's nothing I love more than about you know 15 years of Prince.
0: He's great. You know, one thing I want to say, totally not really related to what you just said, but I think is odd. On the Wikipedia entry for the Batman album, it has a, fo- a photo of the cassette version of the album. It's like the cassette version right. of the album is inset into like the next to the track <laughs> list. And it's just like a picture of the cassette out of the, out of the box. Just sitting on a table. <laughs> Just like I, I'm trying to understand the significance of like why it would be why like that's important to point out. Like it was also available on cassette. There was some debate. There was some debate. No, there was some debate as to whether it really was available. And here's photographic evidence that you could get the motion picture soundtrack for Batman. Here it is. I can tell you on side one, the future, electric chair, the arms of Orion, yep. Party Man, and Vicky Wade, and all on one side of that. I'm looking, uh, looking
1: at it right now, checking it but, out.
0: But, um, so anyway, it is, so anyway, it's a good photo, actually. As far as getting back to our conversation about cassettes and CDs, yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to, I want to, because we're at some point we're going to have to wrap. Uh, I, I think we have barely talked about the, all of the things that we want to talk about. Um, but I want to We
1: I can wanna, go to the important things.
0: Well, I want to talk about a couple of broader things, and then I, I have a couple okay. of just random questions for you. Um, So my first broader question is I'm getting this weird feeling. And I feel like you would be the foremost expert on, you Uh, could answer this question. Okay. I feel something happening in the world of music. I think it's happening. I feel like something happened in me, inside of me that, that is like a signal that it's happening elsewhere. Yikes. Is rock about to make a comeback in music?
1: Didn't didn't somebody just say. I think uh, Joe at the time just wrote this piece. Really? Yeah. I have not read that piece. What is the piece? I just read the headline. It's, it, I think it basically is what you just said. What? Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm Googling this right now. It's rock making a comeback. Something like that or something about I'm rock.
0: Do New York Times. Back. New York Times rock.
1: Joe Cascarelli, Yeah. Wrote a piece. Oh. I, did I imagine it? How do you spell his last name? C O S C A R E L L I. C O S C A R E L
0: L I. Wait, spell that again. I'm.
1: C O S. C O S. C A R E L L
0: I. Think, and I think, and I feel like Topolsky's bad. That's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough name.
1: I'm did not you, seeing did, it. Wait a second. This, you,
0: is a, this is This right. I'm looking now.
1: Look, I know how to use a computer. I can do this.
0: I'm looking right now. All right. Did I mean, you, I'm, you can it? look. You'd look too. I don't care. I mean, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> but I think you might have. I think you might have imagined this.
1: I think we're just getting very uh, contentious here. Well, um, I'm
0: just saying, I'm not seeing it. I mean, it's possible that you maybe you have, had a dream. Maybe this
1: is even more evidence. Oh, sorry. I'm able to use the search function. January twenty fourth, twenty sixteen. Betting that rockets. Oh, here found- it is. Yeah. Just found yeah, yeah. it. Just oh, found yeah. it. And now you found it.
0: Son of a bitch! Look at this. Yeah. I. I'm telling you, something happened. What the? F- I'm trying to think of what it was. I was driving.
1: Sure. You. Yeah. You haven't read this. Uh-huh. I have not
0: read this. I have not. Uh-huh. This is the first time I've seen it. It's possible. You know. I will say. What one of the things that's ha- happened to me now is like I something flies by me on like Twitter or Facebook and I don't see it. I don't read it. Like I don't really recognize it, but it's there. But then it's in your head. I don't actually, but I don't actually recall seeing this. And what I will say is, uh, I don't know what it was. I was driving in the car the other day and something came on. Oh, you know what Apple music is playing? The beats radio people are like, I think they're pushing rock in a weird way that it seems very strange to me. Were they playing like savages? I want to say, and mm-hmm. it was like in the middle of the day, you know, it was like they just played, I don't know what they had played. Let's just imagine what they had just played previously. I want to say it was a Megan Trainer track or something, or mm-hmm. let's say it was something a little edgier. It was um, whoever the D-bags are that did a song with um, Adam Levine, R-City, maybe one of the worst bands of all time. Wow.
1: That's, that's, a, that's a deep cut.
0: Have you ever heard of R-City? Yeah, I, I have. They're fucking terrible, right? Have you ever, have you listened to their music?
1: You know, no, I'm glad, yes, and I'm glad that you finally came up with, I was having this problem, I had a conversation with somebody, and I was like, you know, there's not really a really terrible band, because everyone's got one good song, and no, like... No, 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 no.
0: These guys have a hit, they have a hit, but it's disgusting, and whoever they, did this song Shut Up and Dance is also terrible. They should be put um, in jail.
1: Oh, no, 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 there is that band that, that um who did... um that magic song are you or, talking about uh oh, no sorry no rude, rude that. that's a great that's a great song Rude's a great, a great, great 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 song in, in terms of being the worst song ever <laughs> it's not
0: the worst song ever it's actually like you know my brother and i had a conversation about the politics about,
1: of the lyrics. i hate it so okay the poli-
0: no, no, no. politically in terms of lyrically it is bankrupt and awful okay there's no question uh, but, I, think, I think that should be the point at which no, we but, throw it out no but 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 sonically musically, my brother pointed out something to me because I was like, this song is fucking terrible. And he was like, it's kind of insane and amazing that, that song is on the radio at all. That people are like, that's a hit song, given the current climate of music. And I, it gave me a different kind of appreciation. Look, in the grand scheme of what are they, like a Canadian reggae, like, like rock, <laughs> reggae rock band? Like in the grand scheme of they are like a bare naked ladies light, like, you know, in terms of their... Importance in music and the quality that of their music
1: that happen like Canadian reggae, like like
0: you how? know how it happens, right?
1: Uh, you know, I it's don't...
0: because of their fucking socialist mandate to put Canadian music on the radio. Oh yeah, they do. That's true. They they do. have like has to be forty percent Canadian or whatever.
1: France says that too. France. Somebody is... should have a band called Forty Percent Canadian. By the way, if you, if, go if, if you go to France, the radio right now, I can tell you what the radio is. It's going to be three three French songs and then Lenny Kravitz because they love. Laney Kravitz Well, he's what's not to love. He's very sexy. Oh so Have you
0: seen his furniture line at C B two? Very good stuff. I have. It's glam without being over the top. But and in prices anybody can afford.
1: C B two C B two, not a sponsor of the podcast. He has, one, the he has one amazing record.
0: I don't remember any I mean, he has got his his stuff from the like what late nineties or early two thousand. When was he popular? I don't even remember. Like I think the nineties,
1: right? Late eighties, nineties, right? When yeah. did he do? When did he do? It ain't over till it's over. Uh, and I'm that's gonna... the one they play on French radio literally once an hour. Unless I'm gonna do Google any crap. It's right now.
0: See, now this is when they. This is we've loosened up now. We spent that first hour. Now the podcast is really taking off. Uh, the the record uh, that you're referencing. Uh, hold on a second. Discography. It's
1: the one with like the Futura light typeface on the front. The black. Mama mic. said '91. Let love rule '89. No, not level that love rule is terrible. No, it's the second record.
0: Uh, oh, it's it's uh, "Mama Said." Yeah. Wait, what was the track you were talking about? Oh, it ain't over till it's over. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Fourteen tracks on that.
1: It's good. Uh, it ends, maybe not, maybe it, not perfect. It ends with the combo really-
0: of uh, uh, track thirteen. What the fuck are we saying? And fourteen, "Butterfly," which I don't think is a cover of uh, the great track "Butterfly" by um, another name. What's the name of the band? It's completely escaping me right now.
1: Uh I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm letting you down here. I, what I don't What is that
0: uh is it Butterfly? Is that the It's this track from the 90s.
1: There's a phenomenal <laughs> track. <laughs> at <that, laughs> um Marcia Ambrosius what were they called um that Michael track Butterflies that um no, that duo wrote. That's an inc- incredible vocal performance.
0: Oh, Butterfly I'm thinking of the uh hold on. You think of like Sugar Ray? Crazy Town, no, Crazy Town, very close to, very close to
1: Sugar Ray. Uh, Crazy Town and Sugar Ray, like Crazy Town and Sugar, they're like one man. It's like I'm never (laughs) ever going to be able to tell, and then I'm going to say Smash Mouth, and I'm never going to get it right. That's right. It's all the same. Oh, speaking of things that are um, morally indefensible but amazing sounding, I think the most recent example of this being kind of like a real big moment for that—the kind of dissonance—is. so Hotline Bling. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh Controversial take coming. Nah, I don't think it's controversial. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people love it. I don't think you can be all that controversial, but it's a thing where the the vocal shape, first of all, you got this amazing sample of the Timmy Thomas. Yeah. Music is, is real nice. Um, very smooth. Yeah, it's very pleasant. And then he goes in and out of these voices in this incredibly cool way. And he, like, every single part of it is catchy. And then he has this amazing dancing in the video that I love. But then, you know, the the lyrics are incredibly, like, no, it's not okay to say, hey person that i used to date i don't approve of what you're doing now yeah it was
0: i actually uh, realized i was i was listening to it late at night and i actually tweeted about it. i'm like this is actually really like a mansplaining kind of song like he's sort of like you don't have to do this you know you don't have to act sexy and it's like fuck you like it's not your business you left
1: it, i think it's much worse than man no it's think,
0: it's worse than mansplaining but there are elements of it i was like i didn't
1: realize this at first but it's kind of a he's kind of a dick in the song it's kind yeah. of like the the definition of like who asked you right I keep imagining a woman on the other end of the phone being like, wait a minute. First of all, you've got this dumb pun. Like I know when that hotline bling. Yeah. uh, Okay, fine. All right. So (laughs) what, so you think it's going to be about booty calls, but then it's not, it's him being like, okay, by the way, like that email you get that you're like, what the fuck is this person talking about? Like, why are, are you telling me that you don't approve of what I'm doing now? Like I did not ask you. Right. I agree. And, but then, okay. But then back sonically, the way, you know, yeah, you know, he's got, and then and then he'll do the, the smooth voice, and then he'll do sort of like a, one in the middle, yeah.
0: Um, my favorite it, part is the part where he's like, You used to use, and it sounds like he's just warming up, yeah. He's just kind of like playing with the words, like he's not actually ready to sing, he's just like
1: getting warmed up to sing. That's and, and then he structures it that way that he begins each verse using that same weird. <laughs> And then, and then, <laughs> and then he goes. Good. Into some, that's like
0: if there were a cartoon version of Drake, that would be, that yeah. would be the song.
1: But then he goes into that other voice, you know. And yeah. it's I, you know, as a construction of sound, it's really cool. But I mean, you, you don't you can't, like the, you don't like the message. You can't but, go around saying that stuff to
0: people. You don't like what it says to to young ladies out there no. and trying to make it in the world. Can no. I say something about Drake? I don't like Drake. I'm not a big Drake fan. I'm, that's probably unpopular to say. I don't really enjoy much of his music. I'm not saying like. It just doesn't do anything for me. There's a couple of tracks. I'm like, yeah, this is all right. It just like when, uh, 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 if you're reading this is too late came out, my brother was like, dude, this is the fucking so advanced. This is like the, this is, you know, he was very into it. And I was like, I just don't, I'm not feeling this. Like it just isn't doing anything for me. But one thing I'll say about Drake, this song, I will say steps out of this in many ways, based on what you're, you know, the thing that you're talking about, the sort of Mm -hmm. like misogyny, patriarchy aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, He just seems like cool, just really very cool, like much cooler than most people. Like there's something about him. Somehow he's managed to project into the world. He's like a guy who was on Degrassi, also Canadian, right? Just to be clear. It's like a dude who was on Degrassi high, which is not cool, has somehow managed to turn himself into, he just strikes me as an exceptionally cool guy. Like he's the coolest guy in whatever room he's in. And I don't know how that's possible. Cause I don't particularly care for any of his music or like, I don't think he's like a genius artist or whatever. It's like he all these cosigns and stuff where I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Like it seems like he's just, he's used it as a mechanism to continue seeming cool, but he's, but it's working.
1: I can I be don't wrong. If, I don't know. I don't know what I think of Drake other than you really should have an opinion. This is your space. I know I should have an opinion. <laughs> I think I probably at some point ginned up an opinion cause I had to have one. I mean, well, let me I, read your
0: article from uh, 2013
1: Exactly, I, I'm sure I said see. something Let me see if I can find something uh, um, He seemed really, really smart to me That's, I don't know if I don't know if he's cool Like, if he dies, are we going to hear stories about him being generous? Or are we going to hear stories about him like um, And then like Drake kicked my baby or something Like Chris Brown, like Chris Brown Like, how is anyone going to rehabilitate Chris Brown When they have to write a biography of him? I don't know You got it. You wrote about him in 2011
0: for the New Yorker.
1: I did. About Drake.
0: The fame monster. Well, you lead the story with it. I don't know. Uh, Uh, The hip hop artist known as Drake has become one of the most interesting stars of the moment and has done it in an unusual way. I could keep going if you want. Does oh, oh, this ring a bell? Oh, 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 the
1: whole thing about him. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I think I remember. The typical idea. route
0: to pop innovation is to introduce alien or aggressive sounds that provoke people who would otherwise have paid no attention. But Drake's music has become more subtle over time. This is actually perfectly in line with what we're talking about. His brilliant, brilliant new album. This is your word. These are your words. Take care. Sounds in passing like gauzy R&B and occasionally ambient electronic music, which, he, by the way, he's stuck with for a long time because that's how, mm-hmm. that's how uh, if you're reading this too, it's too late, it sounds to me you know anyhow you go on um, to, you go on to to just heap praise uh, on the record and his rise to fame i did like that record
1: well i think i was fast if i remember what i said and, the, and it sounded brilliant what i wrote
0: um it's a good and at the end here you do say although he seems uh like just another part of the patriarchy who's uh, spewing uh, hate filled anti uh, anti woman lyrics into the into the universe surprisingly you really were ahead of the curve on that i'm kidding okay. you didn't write that Oh, I didn't say that i think, if I, remember, I, don't think you, I don't think you would you' have capped it off like that
1: uh if I remember what I said and I don't necessarily i think I think what is fascinating to me no now I remember and I think this is interesting, and we have to we have to give him credit for this is you know especially with rappers like being super sensitive and admitting to screwing things up was just like has never been anybody's lane and that's and that's his lane he came up with that he's like hey i'm i'm not exactly like a love man i'm here to tell you like wow i'm i'm anxious and like wow like i miss you and i screwed up and and i have all these fears and yeah i don't i don't think anyone really he's like it. a he's like a rapper with feels I think I, I think he is the fields rapper.
0: Yeah, and, and think- he paved the way for other fields rappers. And actually, we're living in the world of 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 all the fields now. I mean, I actually think Justin Bieber is not that he's a rapper, of course, but his reclaiming of any position of of respect or or. Um, even like attention in pop music is based around the character of a guy with regrets and who's anxious and is, you know, screws up and is just trying to, just trying to, you know, figure it out like the rest of us. And I think that Drake definitely, I mean, I think you
1: capture I think that. Sort of, I think that's, I think that's true. Although, um, that's a very modern, isn't, isn't, what do you mean a little bit creepy?
0: Uh, it's a slightly rapey. I think there's parts of it that feel like, yeah, is it like, rapy uh, but like, also, I think he's dealing with a very confusing situation. Also, I don't think Justin's that smart. So, like, I think he's not great at picking up on the subtlety of the conversation that's that he's having. You know, I think he may be literally confused about what the person is saying to him.
1: Also, that video is creepy because it's like, hey, I'm going to make kidnapping romantic. <laughs> it's like, no, like, you're terrified this yeah, woman. Like, no. no. It's,
0: it's cool. He just wanted to. He wanted to use an intense situation to bring them closer together. So he, I mean, a highly manipulated and also very violent and scary situation. But at the end of the day, everybody was just at a party. So it was okay.
1: He that's how I, that's, that was my
0: technique back when I was dating. He could just
1: said, hey, do you want to go to the half pipe with me and we'll have fun? And instead he, he pays for a yeah. kidnapping? It's a like- lot
0: of work. It's a lot of work on everybody's part. Like, was almost there, you know, he's involved. It seems like more trouble yeah. than necessary to get a girl, especially if you're Bieber. I don't feel like... Anyhow, but uh, no, I do think, but I will say like what you talk about in 2011 about Drake and what is true about Drake and now true about, and I think maybe this is getting back to the rock thing, is that music has gotten really mellow, like really chill. Like something's happened in the last two years in music and I like it because I'm a guy who actually, like I like ambient music and I like repetitive music and like you know, kraut rock, like if you listen to like, I mean, my favorite, like, you know, or somebody like Michael Rother, I don't know if you, how, how deep you are on like crowdy stuff, but like some of that stuff is like basically smooth. It's like smooth music. I go
1: deep. Hey, you, you, you're talking to a guy in one of
0: those bands. Right. Okay. So you're familiar with Michael Rother's work yes, um, And and his solo work, which is like bordering on comical. It's so smooth. Um, yeah, but I like that and music has gotten really smoothed out. Like all of the hard edges have been removed. And and like, I think, sorry, the stuff that Justin Bieber has been doing, the new Drake stuff. I mean, Hotline Bling is a perfect example. Um, there is still like hyper pop music. There's still like Taylor Swift or whatever, which sounds like, you know, everybody was doing coke when they made the music. But that's like a product of, I think that's like a real like pop product that's sort of dying. And the new, and uh. the new pop sound is like much, much different, much more. It's, it's like the, kid a it's like kid a has finally made its way to like the radio hmm. in a weird way if you listen to like think about like the sonic textures of a record like kid a and then think about something like hotline bling like they're not wildly dissimilar
1: i think you might be right
0: i mean who knows i'm not the expert you're the expert i'm just no
1: no, no. well it, pontificate it, in here it it, uh, it it just depends what uh we're talking about um, I think you're right if we're talking about very, very popular music, but, um, I mean, you know, we also are seeing like, but to get back to your rock thing, like, yes, well, that's I, where I wanted to get back to, you know, uh, savages and bands like that are around. I think the difference here, I'm going to use my kids. and this is annoying in, uh, uh, in the world of, uh, reporting when you use your, uh, Hey, right what you know, uh, <laughs> There's that thing where, like, you'll see in a piece something like uh, it happens in the New Yorker sometimes, like, a child of twelve, and like, what it really means is like my kid, when I took you know my kid to the museum, but um, my kids, their entire world of understanding music is through hip hop. That's what that's their soil. That's really all they care about. And um, if you grab their phone or their iPods, and nobody has an iPod anymore. Actually, yeah. no, Jonah has a Shuffle. Okay. Um, there's just there is no guitar rock, right? Any, right, none, none. So rock is back.
0: No, no, I'm not saying like,
1: it's back yet. I, maybe. maybe. Could it
0: could it come back? Is it coming back? I feel something like there's
1: like a disturbance in the force. I mean, but j- I mean, jazz used to be like you know really part of the conversation, like, and it's sort of coming back in a way that's pretty cool, but like. You don't get to come back really the same size necessarily, you know? Like Bitches Brew sold like a million copies. He was on the cover of Time. Back, did Time? Really, back. Did it really? But yeah, bitch's Brew was huge. Headhunters was huge. You know, like jazz was popular popular music.
0: So you feel like you feel like we've gone away from that and we're not going to go back to it. Like like popular music will won't return to the sound of the guitar.
1: Well, I mean the, the reason this is difficult is like do we even have popular music? We have, hmm. we have such a, um, I mean, genre has broken down so far. Um, I was saying this the other day to somebody, I actually did a very long interview that seems to have disappeared. And I maybe did this interview for no reason. Um, <laughs> with this hip hop site, um, this one will appear. This will appear. Thank you. Um, I was a little bit TikTok, but whatever. Um, like look at the Drake Meek Mill fight. I think this is sort of like, um, An analogy for how taste works now um meek mill and drake they have a a rap beef they try whatever meek is not as good drake kind of wins but at the same time nobody really really cares the way they cared you know in the like there were enough people to have a nas camp and a jay-z camp there was enough enough money and enough bodies in the room to have, like, an actual beef. Like, people would be on one side or the other. Now, like, because the resources have all shrunk and everyone listens to everything at the, at the same time, like, nobody really can care in the same way, meaning that if Meek came out with a really killer track right now, okay, even if you were the biggest Drake fan, you'd be like, oh, that's great, and you do put it on your playlist and you'd be fine. Like, right. nobody, nobody has that kind of investment to pick a side anymore you know it's not like back when you would get you know beaten up for being a punk or like someone would scream at you for playing rap which they did you know i'm old enough to tell you that like that rap thing lasted like a long time <laughs> people were saying really messed up stuff about rap for a long time yeah um you know i was there at the the one of the only in my this is my you know lcd um what's that um sounds awesome. Uh, losing my edge moment you know the the only real i was there moment i can say was i was at the the at the class show at bonds where grandmaster flash and the furious five came out and people were screaming the n-word and they were like it was bad really and i was complete i was there with two friends and we listened to rap and i kind of thought you know I mean the clash were basically making rap. They had um Magnificent Seven was on WBLS. Right. And I was like, oh, we all we all get this, right? Like this isn't complicated, right? We all dig this. And uh Do you know the do you know the rap rap, rap I can
0: use the term they made with um uh Futura two thousand? Yeah. Have you ever heard that record? I I own that record. I, I also own the record. A friend of mine interviewed Futura and was like I was asked him about. It and he's like, if you want to keep doing this interview, you won't ask me about that record again.
1: Yeah, it. I don't remember it being very good. It's at bad.
0: All. It's bad. Actually, the beats, the, like the track, is actually kind of good. Mm-hmm. The, the vocals are not. Let's put it that way. Um. Anyhow, sorry, I don't mean to sidetrack you. Yeah, I just popped. No, no, in my no, head. no,
1: no. I, I was trying to. I remember the. It was on celluloid, right? No, I don't remember. I don't remember. I could go
0: find it. I have it. somewhere sitting on a shelf somewhere next to me. But I have
1: not heard it in a very, very long time. I'll find
0: it. I sampled it uh, for something. It had a pretty good groove, actually. It was like musically kind of good. I'm gonna find it. I'm sure it's on Spotify or something. Probably not, actually.
1: What the hell was the name of it? It was called.
0: Um, I don't remember the name. I'm just gonna look. And then I, I have. We're gonna have to wrap up, unfortunately. Okay. Hold on a second.
1: Oh, the Escapades of Future uh, 2000.
0: Yeah, that's right. They got pretty
1: creative. Oh, it's kind of dubby.
0: Yeah. It's dubby. It's cool. It's Future 2000 and his escapades.
1: Right.
0: Um, The beat's good. It's a good beat. It's a good beat. And it should be. I sampled it for something. Uh, but somebody yeah, real should sample it. Yeah, his yelling
1: is, is really not good sure It's my name, and I say graffiti. It's my I got my fame, but it's not my fame that I'm here to claim. I want to tell the real story about my game. Did, did they do? Did they do the? I mean, because it's celluloid, it makes me think. Um, I'm just gonna look this up. I'm gonna wonder if, like, did Laswell actually really do the beat or something? I it's, um, it's very possible. Um, clash of terror. So, it, what what were what's one of the big things we wanted to talk about?
0: Oh, that, I mean, we're basically talking. We were talking about the rock thing. That was the thing I want to talk about. Um, the uh, we talked about Bowie, but I don't. There's not enough time to really go into all of the things. And then there is just a couple of other little things that I was going to ask you that were like really dumb. I'm going to ask them now before we end this. Go ahead. There's more we can talk about. We have to. We'll have to do
1: this again. Future is sixty years old now. Oh my well, god! You know, time has a way of. Um, yeah, I mean making a mess of everything. My my birthday's on Sunday. I mean tell hmm. me about it. Happy um, birthday. Did you want to talk about how old you're going to be? No, I don't want okay. to talk about that at no, all. It's um, very
0: uncool. Aging is very uncool, as any as any great rock and roller will tell you. That that's an interesting
1: topic. Here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna just wow. say this say this quickly and then you can get to your questions. But so I mean one of the reasons that Twitter is so terrible is everyone's mad about everything and a lot of the anger is like okay, we get it. We know that the bad thing is bad. Like we don't need 8 million of you saying it. And it, it gets really, gets really fucking exhausting. Um, but on the other hand, the things that people are mad about are genuinely terrible. And it's probably a good thing that we, you know, talk about how terrible they are. So like, I'm kind of okay with it, but like, I don't need to hear it a million times. Um, right. Well, it's a great
0: machine for outrage and manufactured outrage.
1: Well, it's, I mean, and the one thing that makes it completely valuable is, you know, it was – it basically is police brutality TV. It is the one place where unfiltered we see all of the stuff that then on the nightly news would be completely watered down. Right. and And But, you know, people posting from Ferguson and all of that. And it's valuable. If that's all we ever get out of Twitter, great. Right. right. But the one thing while we're having this kind of like – like political correctness, kind of like superstorm, you know, right now, which is in some ways cool. It's like, it's good that people are, are calling out a lot of the things they're calling out. But the one thing that is totally okay on the internet is ageism. It's totally okay to make fun of somebody for being old or looking old. And I'm like, it's not just because I'm getting older, but like, that's fucked up. Yeah. And
0: I mean it, is it okay? I feel like I, people I know wouldn't it wouldn't strike them as okay or in a
1: lot of people I know I am, I am I am constantly shocked at how many times I see somebody being mocked simply for being old or they'll post a picture and they'll be like, "Oh my god, look what this person looks like." And it's yeah. like, "Yeah, they look like they got old. Like you're going to get old too, dipshit." Yeah. And you you
0: yeah. Well, you're living in the land of people who are denying age. I mean, now L.A. is like a place where age is so forbidden
1: uh, that people look like people. Along that, I mean, along that, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Um, along that axis, I don't think L.A. and New York are that different. They're very different in a bunch of other ways, but in terms of people getting work done and all that kind of thing. Like people just, people just get surgery. Now. It's like cr- every, It's every,
0: crazy. It's crazy. The way human beings are starting to look. I mean, I think it's really one of the saddest things in the world when I see people who would be naturally aging, um, with like plastic surgery that makes them look like aged. I see young people who look aged beyond their years because they've had plastic surgery.
1: Exactly. Uh, it just makes you look weird. It's like yeah. Carrie Fisher in star Wars. Like it's unnatural. I mean, I, I I look. I'm not going to shame anybody's choices. Like, do whatever you want with your body. And if she feels good, then great. Yeah. But it's 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 very unnerving. And no, I, think- I mean,
0: I mean, right. Actually, Carrie Fisher is a person who I mean, somebody who was dealing with this like age, just like the age stuff and like the look stuff. And I, I mean, I to me, like, I actually didn't stand out to me as much. I mean, I do know. She, I mean, it seems like she's had work, but but it's more like um, I don't think it's like I'm saying this person looks ugly or whatever. I just think it doesn't look. It looks really—it's—it—it. It, my brain doesn't process it the way it processes a normal face. It's like uncanny valley.
1: Yeah, exactly. It—it it is very. Um, It's—it's it's incredibly distracting, and it's funny. I'm thinking about Carrie Fisher, who I love in general. Um, and I think she did something for the movie because when she did that very very funny interview, uh, interview with the dog recently, she looked pretty normal. Like I think maybe all the Botox she had for the movie wore off and you know, she she looked, you know, fine. I mean what what's terrifying about the idea, I mean, on on the one hand, do whatever you want, like modify your body. But the idea that we're afraid of what we look like when we look old is really is really disheartening to me. Yeah. Because it's like it's like guys, like accept it. It's gonna happen And also, in terms of like spending time and money on something, it's like, uh, I don't know. I agree. I, I do think, I do think, um, I mean, yes, work out I, and
0: stuff and be healthy, but I mean. I do think there is, I mean, I do think ageism is like pretty widely accepted. I mean, particularly in the age of like Im- the information age and the digital age, I think age is seen as something that is, you know, we're so fixated on this concept of millennials, which is a, not a real group of people. It is an age range. Um, we're so fixated on this idea that people are a set of things versus like actual individuals with individual tastes and, and feelings and talents um, and preferences, but I do think that uh, I also think we're in kind of an amazing age where where it's harder to get old. I think it's harder to get old in the age of the Internet. Like I feel I feel like I'm much more aware as I am aging, as everybody is aging, I still feel much more aware of like what is happening now. Than I felt when like the internet was nascent and sort of just coming together and forming and not really the thing that it is. Like I think in the age, the information age, and the age of the internet, it's like actually really difficult to not be caught up, which changes the conversation for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean. That's my optimistic view. uh, I agree with you. I'm also like realizing I was about to save the internet, but the internet is not a thing. I think just, I said, I
0: think I said it. So,
1: um, well, yeah. but you made an interesting point. I'm just going to jump over what you just said. That's fine. Um, by all means. No, no, no. Cause I think you're right. Um, Thank and, you. I mean, the internet is just depressing. Um,
0: it is, but it's also, I think it's super but depressing it's also and also totally amazing. Awesome. Cause yeah. I,
1: we just, we just looked up future 2000. And right. Like That's right. Batman and Batdance. dance. So it's great. I love <laughs> the internet. It's everything. It's probably not, A good idea to talk about the internet um but that generation thing is that's a great point i think none of those generations are like anytime you generalize beyond a few people like you're already screwing up the data because like people will be like oh boomers and then you just point out the age of some awesome human being that you love and you're like all right technically uh maybe eileen miles is a boomer right like shut up about boomers the whole, up about the whole thing i mean we're look we're 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 just very desirous
0: of classifying people in broad groups because it makes it easier to understand and frankly sell to them i mean the reality is like it's mostly driven by the advertising um the world of advertising i think
1: it also is driven by the philosophical need to believe in change to believe in progress and it's probably closer to true that like obviously we have new watches and new gadgets you know a lot better than i do about that shit um Like with that weird... I don't know what that keyboard you posted was. I didn't get that, but
0: whatever. That is a... um, That is a Plank keyboard. It's a 40% keyboard. It's 40% the size of a regular keyboard. And it's hand-built by somebody.
1: And why do I care?
0: No one should care. It's only for... It's it's like... uh, I was telling Laura the other day, I was like, that, this is like sounded
1: hostile. I didn't, you know, I didn't mean no, no, it
0: did sound very hostile, but it's okay. But it was like, <laughs> Laura, I make a joke all the time to her because I don't know if you remember on the Keeping Up with the Kardashians, like Bruce Jenner had, uh, um, you know, he's like RC cars and he was always in like the, or his RC planes was always in the garage with his like planes and stuff. And Chris would come in, Chris Kardashian would come in and like be kind of a dick to him about it. That's how I feel about my keyboards. <laughs> I feel like. I'm like this weird of this weird hobby. Anyhow, it's not important. But anyhow, what were you saying? Because then we get, because then we got to really wrap up. We're almost on two hours here. Okay. um, Not to rush you, but I don't want to get stuck on my dumb keyboard drama.
1: What, what was I saying?
0: I don't know. It was about, it was about, uh, it was about um, uh, classifying people. It was about aging. It was about.
1: uh, Oh, 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 I think, I mean, the generational thing, I think what. I mean, it comes from a, a bunch of places, and this is maybe too obvious to say, we, we, maybe we all know this, but I mean, you, people get older, they, you know, all these millennial essays, um, it's not like I love people in that cohort or have an opinion, but it's like amazing how many people are writing these like crabby essays and what they really are, are you know, the under, like you were saying about people going after Kanye West, it's like, the subtext is very obvious, which is like, I'm getting older and I don't like it and I am i don't want to die and these people are younger than me. And it's like, yeah, it sucks. You're going to die before them. Right. But like, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> They're not doing anything wrong. They're not doing anything you didn't do. You were a narcissist too. Right. Of course. I mean, like, I, whole, like, the whole selfie thing, like, give me a break. Like people weren't narcissistic before.
0: I think that, yeah. And I also think that we have, um, Phones. I get I get looking I get looking for the things to be annoyed about with this with the new generation but I actually don't think people are that different and I don't think that I actually you know there's this with technology particularly we got we've gone through this period where you know for a decade we've had just this explosion of all sorts of new things and I do think that it's really easy to say things like you know after nine eleven people were like irony is dead you know like There's no more irony in the world now. Like comedy is dead. How can you ever laugh again? It's like, yeah, I think let's give it a little space to figure out if these like bold proclamations about how you what you think is happening to society actually pan out or not. I'm not saying don't be critical. But I have, of you know I think criticism and critique is very important. But I do think with technology we've, we're like things are going to change. They're going to change really dramatically in terms of how we live with the stuff, how we act with the stuff, what the stuff does for us. And I don't mean like it's just going to get crazier and crazier. I mean like people are taking. People are like, they're better with their things than they were five years ago. They're better with their phones and better at using them. And they know more about what they do now. And so when selfies is one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's cool and fun now. And like, everybody's excited about it. But like in a couple of years, it will be a different thing. It won't be, it won't seem like a big deal and it won't matter. I think we tend to get caught in these moments of like upheaval and go, this is the way the world is now. And it's like, yeah, not really, but not really.
1: No, I think yeah. I, I agree you know, with you. Enough. Like
0: the millennial audience, people talk about millennials as having all these like, wow, this so the millennials they're so different, and it's like, yeah, but the, then the millennial, the twenty-two year old, is like a twenty-five year old, and like they they change, people change, you know, and it's I just think that they're the same kinds of people that the previous generation were, and yeah, they
1: have phones in their pockets that do a bunch of stuff, but it's right, like, it's not really that dramatic. No, it's not, and look look at they the idea of something like, um, terrible word, but like the long read, um, right. You know, all, all that we found out is like, yeah, those long well-reported pieces that people wrote 40 years ago, we still like them. Right. You know, like there's a little, like there's no change. The thing that you, you loved before, people still love that. And new
0: people will love them also. It's just that it's like y- you know, people, it's like actually going back to the Time Magazine conversation. It's like, well, we've been making Time Magazine for a hundred years and now people don't want Time Magazine anymore. It's like, yeah, no shit, because you've been making Time Magazine for a hundred years. And um, the generation that exists now doesn't feel that it speaks to them or addresses things that they actually care about in a way that they should or could care about them. And what is real is like, you know, things either adapt or they die. And I think it's like, it's, it's, people make the mistake of thinking there's some sort of generational um, shift In, I've talked to a lot of people and they're like, well, isn't all we want, you know, isn't it just like people just want to read BuzzFeed now? Like they don't care about other stuff. It's like, not really, not in my experience. People do care a great deal about really important things if you give it to them in a way that makes sense to them. And if you are speaking to them in a voice that is like their voice. And so um, anyhow, this goes into a big, deeper rabbit hole on this stuff. But I do think that we get hung up on these notions that are just... They're so naive and so short-sighted um, that, that everything is different now. And actually, like, a lot of things are different, but a lot of things are very much the same. And you should be able to recognize the two.
1: Yeah, in and in a way to maybe fuse that with the generational idea, I was thinking of being in England at one point, and uh, it was a couple years ago, and there was a woman in her 60s who had just gotten an, an iPhone, and I noticed that she ended up being just as obsessed... With her phone, as we accuse kids of being, and like right. I, ha- I have two kids, and they're different. You know, one's fifteen and one's eighteen, and one is much more addicted to his phone than the other one. And so these generalizations all. Damn son. Uh, oh, sorry, that's that <laughs> is that? actually. The, what are you what are your kids? I make I make text tones. I cut them um, oh. for for people, so I know who's. um That's great. And that actually, I was—that's a little bit creepy. I was talking about that person, and that's his tone. Weird. Um, he's actually been during our conversation. He's been texting me about um, some Twitter rant that Kanye is going on. That I what I have, is that? What's I happening? Have, neither of us are paying attention oh, to Jesus it because Christ. we're we're podcasting and we are not reading the internet right that's now. Terrible. We're missing so, it all. So we'll we'll be able to look back on this one day and be like, Do you remember before we knew about? Like who knows what we're gonna find when we open up the Twitter and We're like, gonna miss. It,
0: there's like it, a swish, a swish slash waves leak, and Kanye's freaking out about it. Who knows?
1: It or you possible. know, or or it could be like that moment where like you read the. I'm trying to think what's like the worst tweet ever. Like some Iggy Azalea moment, or um, um, the woman
0: on the plane going to South Africa.
1: Well, that that but that one turns out to be just like a really badly timed joke like that but also a bad joke also a bad joke it's a bad joke but you know i i'm sure you read that that john ronson thing where she was like yeah you know saying something that that sounded like of course is the worst thing you would possibly say if you're going to africa so in person it would sound i'm not i'm I'm not trying to defend the joke but i think there are things sounds like you are I'm kidding, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> I, I just think there are things on Twitter where people have said like some of that Richard Dawkins stuff, or like Joyce Carol Oates. Yeah. Like, like what are they doing to themselves? They're like completely destroying their reputation. They and yeah, they keep. They should saying, not be on Twitter. I think is the is the answer. Oh my God! That like, they like get off Twitter. And like and people will tell them, and they keep and they get worse and they get worse. Like, well, it's it's
0: it's it's a talent. It is a somewhat of a modern talent. I don't mean this in an age way, but it is someone of a. Understanding you would think that somebody like a Dawkins would understand himself through the panopticon of the internet that like that it just is the perception the reality and perception uh, there is a divide and you have to know how to like surf the divide essentially right. like between reality and perception like I try to be very much myself on the internet mm-hmm. but I think if I were completely myself people would really dislike me, but they wouldn't understand because if in person you met me and I made the same joke or had the same opinion, I would present it in a way like you would know where I was coming from and it would be very clear what we were talking about. The internet does not allow that. And so like knowing the difference between like your reality and the perception of what you're doing is like, it's just incredibly important. I mean, it's a skill that it's a skill that your kids and my kids and, and people now who are, who've grown up in the age of like the internet and truly the age of the internet, like the social internet, mm-hmm. we'll have a, we'll have a, a way of understanding this in that, in, in the way that we don't like the, this is like why Snapchat exists. This is why things that disappear exist. This is why kids like don't really use Facebook. And if they do, they like go on Facebook and then they delete their account and they come back and then they delete it again. Like they understand, I mean, people who were raised in this in the last decade, two decades who understand much better, um, those divides and that like, you know, it's not ageism, but it is a real thing. I think
1: you know. there's also a thing I agree with you. So I'll just say, I agree. Thank you. Um, <laughs> instead of doing what I keep doing, which is just saying your thing in different words. No, uh, it's fine too. Uh, the, I also think, um, and here I'm being a little bit ageist, but I, I think I'm okay with this. Um, cause there are a bunch of older people who don't do this, but I think what happens with like a, a Joyce Keller, Carol Oates or uh, Richard Dawkins or somebody else, a little bit Neil deGrasse Tyson every now and then, um, is there's this kind of feeling of, uh, this is sort of what you just said, but a little bit different. Like the, um, like, is this thing on phenomenon? Like it's like they're writing emails they've imagined to somebody and it's like, no, no, no! Everyone can see that, yeah. Joyce. Every everyone saw that. So she tweets. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know who she imagines is reading it. Like ten people. It's like, no, 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 no! Millions of people can see that. Right. Like, I think I've stopped oh.
0: following Margaret Atwood on Twitter because of that sort of similar. Like William Gibson's great on Twitter. He totally gets it. But there are other other authors. like Margaret she, Atwood, I think, was one of those good. people.
1: What does she do? I don't, I don't think. I
0: don't. You don't know who she is, or you don't know about her. <laughs> no, because <I>, <laughs> we got to go. That's a whole thank, other conversation so. thank, thank you. I know. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, no, I just I can't remember. But I think early on when she was on Twitter, she was like, "I'm." She's like, "I'm trying to send you a message. Why isn't this going through?" And I'm like, "Nope, I'm out. Like, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see Margaret Atwood like getting tech support on Twitter." Oh, it, I see. It was like sort of an. It was. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was just like. Or, you know, she was talking about, like, Canadian politics or something. I was like, no, this is not for me. I can't remember.
1: Then there are people like Cher.
0: Cher is a goddess. She's a precious angel from heaven who's uh, been sent to earth to.
1: Cher is kind of like a Bowie. Like, has Cher ever done anything <laughs> wow. wrong?
0: Ever? Wow. Okay. I think that's nope. a great place to to
1: wrap it. Uh, Wait, what were the dumb things you wanted to ask me? Can I, I can... There
0: was going to be, like, really dumb
1: stuff. Like, what was the first record you bought? Uh, I can tell you exactly. The first 45 was, uh, a fifth of Beethoven by the Walter Murphy. Wow. World. Interesting. That, the disco version. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah. Beethoven. I know. it. I know. Well, um, and the first album full length was, uh, the Elton John's greatest hits. The first one. Interesting. Where he's sitting at the piano. Sure. Um, those sure. are both records that, um, I defend and I'm am, am ha- happy with. And uh, uh, right. most of my, the first 45s I bought, like the first 10 and this is kind of telling, we're all probably disco, like, uh, like Boogie Nights.
0: Sure. You love know, disco music. Groove line. I still do. Um, when, uh,
1: at what point did you realize you wanted to write about music? Um, that's a cool story that I will tell very quickly. Um, I didn't. Um, I, What happened was we played a show at the Knitting Factory in 1993, four, 1993, a woman I very much admired and then later became friends with, uh, Anne Marlowe was a critic for the, she has a fascinating career, like one of the most unpredictable careers ever. Um, and her book about heroin is really, really incredible. Um, anyway, she was writing about music for the voice and was really, really good writer. And I wanted her to come, see the band and she was friends with clem and and i just thought maybe she would write about us and i met her after the show she's a very very hardcore person like she is hardcore hardcore and she was just like nope hated your band and i was like okay and but she said i'm starting a zine and and she was starting a broadsheet like a huge printed thing like people did that insane but people did that um must have cost her an arm and a leg to make this thing like Um, an actual printed thing yeah it was called pretty decorating and and she had heard me and my friend andy hawkins talking about we were basically bitching about indie rock and saying man why are these people like cassette lo-fi like this is not okay we have day jobs so that we can go into a studio and record our bands properly like lo-fi is bullshit like it's not okay to release a record and be some fucking centrodogue kind of guy. Like, no, no. It's not authentic. It's not cool. It, it's just less information and it sounds like shit. And like, it's... A lot of people who would disagree with you on that point. Well, they can go fuck themselves, all right? Wow. What about, uh, what's,
0: the, what's the band from Ohio, whose name I'm blanking on right now, that made a billion four-track records? Very prolific. Guided guided by by Voices, voices, thank you. Laura loves Guided by Voices. I'm, I've only become a side way, you know, sort of side fan because I'm not really a fan. I actually don't really care for most of their
1: music. But I'm just being contentious. Um, Okay,
0: but you know, but they would, they did a bunch of super lo-fi stuff, right?
1: Yeah. I never gave a shit about them. Um, really?
0: Oh man. Interesting. <laughs> very, that's a very controversial opinion. Um we're not going to go into it now, but very controversial. I don't disagree, but, but,
1: <laughs> but let me, let me, let me clarify. Um, sorry, Laura. Um, I don't want to make Laura mad. And so what happened was, um, she has this thing uh, called pretty decorating and she's, I believe, has, is starting it or maybe has put out one. And she says, so the thing that you and Andy are talking about, this lo-fi thing, and to clarify my position, it, it's simply that if you're a good band, um, like recording your good band badly doesn't make it cooler. Like just record it better and you'll have more information. And if you want at that point, filter it and make it sound like a tin can. OK, but like um, especially if you're like a decent songwriter and I, I like Lou Barlow and I love John Darnielle. I'm like, I want to hear you like I want to hear more of you. Like right. you're, good. you're good. It's right. In fact, it's, it doesn't matter to me if your band is bad. I don't care how you record it, but if you're good, I don't want you to just put out a cassette of your record and be like, okay, this is fine. <laughs> I like,
0: actually, as an aside to this, I actually prefer recorded music to live music. And, uh, I'm sort of like if I, you know, i sort of value and love and treasure great production. And it's, mm-hmm. sort of, it's more interesting to me to hear a great band that's been produced like that's been greatly produced uh, mm. versus going and hearing, like getting the experience of the live. It never lives up to the production to me. It always sounds like it's lacking. It's like, mm. I feel like what it's meant to be, what how it's meant to be done is like you make it in a studio. So obviously I'm a big Eagles fan <laughs>
1: <laughs> bringing this full circle.
0: But, Anyhow, uh, so, so you were talking lo- about the long, the long
1: well, road is a really cool sunny record. Yeah. Um,
0: so you were so basically, you were talking about this lo-fi stuff. You were ranting about it.
1: Yeah. Um, and then... In fact, that's what that's what she said. She said, that's just like a classic Richard Meltzer rant. I don't even really like Meltzer. But, and I don't even know if I knew who he was at that point. And, you know, I'm in a band. I'm 26, 27. Yeah. I have no intention of writing about music. But I write the piece for her. And then I wrote a few more pieces for her. And one was... Um, I really, really I just eviscerated uh this Free Kitten show, you know Free Kitten mm-hmm. which is uh, Kim Gordon and Julie Kayser. Sure. And I was like we're supposed to like this but this is just garbage. And uh in with more words and funnier than that. I <laughs> sure, hope I would I, imagine. I don't know. I don't remember it that well. And uh Grill Marcus wrote her a note. And so I was like oh my god. Oh my god. And he mentioned that he really liked this piece and I was like oh my god. Wow. And then basically what happened is simon simon reynolds wrote something for her about post rock um and i was like well post rock and i think he had lumped as everybody did lumped ui in with this this thing and i i wrote back something saying like i don't know what's going on over in england this is back when he lived there um right <laughs> instead of here in la um but I was like, you're full of shit. And I don't think this thing even exists. And I don't know what you're talking about. The um, British are always looking to compartmentalize and classify and name. And I, and I love Simon. But I have to say that the bunch of groups he was trying to defend, like Disco Inferno and I don't know who else, um, were really terrible. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, they just were. Right. Um, and I certainly didn't want to be classed with them. And then Ann Powers of The Voice said, no, here's a mind blower. OK, zines the village voice was having an entire pullout about post rock. And she said, Hey, would you write about your band for this? And so I wrote about, um, basically I was like, there is no post rock. I don't know what it is, but you know, I'm in a band. That's what we do. And then from there, people just kept asking me to, um, to write stuff. And I was in a band and I just thought, okay, on the side, I do this thing and I get a little bit of money and, but I had a day job and stuff. And then, that went on for about you know, ten years, and then but the band you know the kids were getting older and the band was winding down because I wanted to be at home and I didn't, didn't really like touring touring very much. I mean, I love playing live, but like I'd like to have a club next to my house. I'd sure, like to, who wouldn't? Well, I hate, can actually think of lots of reasons why you hate would. hate touring. Um, <laughs> and you know, and then it all obviously changes when Remnant calls, and I'm like, oh, like a job, like whoa, yeah cause I hadn't had an office job. I mean, I mostly was like a guy in a band. And so at the age of 37, pretty old, like I go into this fancy building and they give me an office and i have this job, which is, you know, how most people think of me, but like at 37, you've done a bunch of stuff already. Right. And, right. So what was it, the,
0: what was the demand like from the job? Was it like produce a thing for every issue or was it less strict than that?
1: Um, I'd written him a letter, but he didn't he didn't acknowledge this for a very long time. About a year before I had written him a letter saying like, Gosh, you have a great magazine. Um you're having a lot of trouble there with the that pop music thing, you know, 'cause like Nick Hornby kept writing these pieces like, I don't really like popular music, so here's a record that I like from twenty years ago. <laughs> and I'm like right. you can't, son, you can't do that. Like you can't imagine like a war reporter being like Wow, Syria. Okay, I'm more like a Boer War, Spanish Civil War kind of guy. So, like, I'm not going to cover this. Sorry. Like, 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 you have to engage the moment. If you're going to write right. about popular music, right? It, it's just, you know, we've been talking about Bieber and Drake. Like, it's just interesting. Whether or not I like it is kind of like, who cares? Interesting, weird stuff happens. Like, a guy from Canada who used to be in a goofy show ends up in a James Terrell installation like that's weird that's like that's (laughs) really interesting it doesn't matter if it's good or bad anyway and uh what he said remick said okay uh write six pieces and we'll see how it goes and this was on my own it was on my birthday in 2004 and and after the third one he was i got a an email from somebody because people were basically like what the fuck there's popular music in the New Yorker." what is this shit? Like what's going on? But I mean, they were being nice about it, but they were also like, uh, uh, it was almost like, are you sure you guys should be doing that? And I mean, of course I felt like that too. I kept being like, they're going to kick me out any second. Like, what am I doing here? And, and so I emailed him and I'm like, look, uh, I was terrified. I was like, these people are interviewing me and they want to know like what my title is. And he said, why don't you call yourself the pop critic? We'd like that. And that's sort of how, how he hired me. And I was like, (sighs) Uh, that's was, amazing Blew my mind and, That's incredible uh, And then like an idiot 10 years later he quit and Then
0: you abandoned him Like an asshole So you know <laughs> now, Lesson I learned should, And now you're in LA So I
1: think he actually did Call me an asshole It, it, it was a, it was an affectionate Phone call really,
0: I'm sure I'm sure um, well, well listen 10 years is a long time To do any one thing I mean you're talking To a guy who um, Was at Bloomberg For one year So
1: <laughs> That's when people I'll close on this out one people are you know they still say to me like what what in the world did you why did you quit like it's such a great magazine and i say like look it's it's not about it not being a great magazine um it's just like uh, doing anything for too long is just a bad idea right it's like you calcify and 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 it's just bad for your brain no i agree i agree you gotta and, keep moving and so um and I think it's some level, I'm sure Remnick would probably agree, but I just thought, like, I'm going to be, get, I'm just going to be this guy in the corner who does this same column all the time, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get bad at it. And I'm going to repeat myself. I probably already have. And like, yeah, I got to keep moving, <laughs> keep moving, or I'm going to just. Like
0: a shark, got to keep yeah. going. Um, well, I think it's a good place to leave it, actually. Uh, oh, yeah.
1: Sharks keep moving. Guys, sharks keep moving or they die. Well, um we're talking about Bowie. It should be a peaceful fish. What's a nice fish? A dolphin. <laughs> a dolphin?
0: I, I thought dolphins do, I thought they rape. Wait. Do that's, they? That's the rumor about dolphins, right? They do like gang rapes.
1: <laughs> you got to ruin everything for I, me. Uh, sorry. Uh, you know, what's a nice animal. Um, and you know, who's not nice at all is polar bears. Are they, they bad? Are, are they bad? Oh my God. Vicious. I don't, I don't know. Panda, well, panda. Everyone loved the panda.
0: Were there an easy target? No. no, pandas are vicious too. I think actually, I think they can be very violent.
1: They they can be, but everyone loved the snow panda.
0: The deer. Deer is a nice animal.
1: Uh, I, but in Connecticut, they would always eat the the plants. It was yeah, harmful. but
0: that's a very minor offense.
1: Well, they also would come out in the middle of the road and like there were tons of yeah. accidents because you'd turn the corner and boom, there's a deer.
0: Yeah, but that's not really the deer's fault, is it? It's the human's fault for building a road where the deer lives.
1: All right, we got to land on a good animal. Do we like squirrels?
0: Squirrels are great. Um they tend to dominate our bird feeder here, uh, to be honest with you. We got a bird feeder called the No-No Squirrel Feeder which squirrels hang off of and eat like it's a um, like it's a, a a nut dispenser at a fast food restaurant. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what a nut dispenser at a fast food restaurant is. What what
1: restaurant? Do you have? I don't know. I don't Does know. Monk have a really cool nuts. You don't know their
0: restaurant's nuts with an exclamation mark and it's just all fast food, nut related fast food.
1: And think of all the like dirty hands and the net dispensers. Yeah,
0: sure. Well, that's what the, that's why they have the thing that you dispense. Zelda. Let's just let's just end on Zelda. Zelda is a great animal. One of my favorite animals. Best. Um, Sasha, thank you for doing this. Sure. Uh, this is a really good conversation. I it is is much more sprawling than I expected it to be, but that's very good. Uh, and there's things I'm sure that we need to talk about that I, I things I wanted to talk about that we didn't get to, and we so you'll have to do this again. With, okay, with me. Great. Is that I can I hold you to that? Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, thank you very much, uh, and uh, and uh, we will talk to you again soon.
1: Futura is my name, and I say graffiti. It's where I got my fame, but it's not my fame that I'm here to claim. I want to tell the real story about my game. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, that's our show for the week. We'll be back next week with more, of course. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best, although I understand that Shifty Shellshock from Crazy Town has just come to your house and is currently doing an a cappella version of Butterfly.
1: It started for me back in 72. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I saw names everywhere, style, color, and flair. I knew I had to join in. I knew my answer was there. (laughs) There was Tacky being Tacky with his dry mark pen, and he was writing his name way back then. Frank 207, SJK, Coco 144, and the UGA. Phase two, stay high It's kinda hard to explain. It's not just running around, spray painting your name. It starts as a game, can't stay the same.